Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to My Nightmare, where we discuss movies of the Big Dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined today by Film Dylan of the Cinestudy Podcast. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me back on. Love being on Big Dumb Movie and uh, very pumped to kind of kick off at least my personal spooky season. What better way to start your horror movie path down through October than with this absolute classic? Hell yes. And it's great to have you, Dylan. Also joining us is Josh, the review dude. Welcome to prime time, bitch. (laughs) Classic Josh. And also, two-time Oscar nominee, Jonathan. Thank you for the nominations. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't win. Yeah, I know. Ugh. But you like to thank the little people, right? Yeah, three foot four and under. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those the, little people. <laughs> the little guy from Moreau. <laughs> yeah. I like to thank that little guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what are we doing here? Cool. <laughs> All right, so we're here to discuss another movie for the Halloween season. And of course, I'm talking about the 2003 action horror comedy, A Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 13th. The full title. No, I, I, I think you got something messed up there. What? What's wrong? You might want to double check that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is a movie called A Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 14th. 13th. <laughs> Damn, maybe I do have it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you dyslexic mother. Yeah. Unsubscribe. Check your facts. <laughs> oh, man. I've gotten a bunch of those kind of comments before, Josh. People are like, think before you speak. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, God. Th- thanks, you uh, YouTube keyboard warrior. <laughs> right. <laughs> Saving the day. Fucking keyboard banging. <laughs> I'd like to think that people that leave those comments... Like, when they're asked a question, they're silent for, like, 60 seconds, like, contemplating the perfect answer, so they can't possibly make any kind of grammatical or speech error or factual (laughs) error. They mull it over in their head for a solid minute, and then they answer, because they think before they speak, Jonathan. Yes, they do. Um, I like to think that they take sometimes up to 24 hours for the the perfect response to come back catatonic for a full 24 hours right (laughs) they proofread they come back they write multiple drafts i'm gonna go ahead and have a good nutritious dinner hydrate well go to bed and think and ponder upon my perfect response read some related nonfiction. (laughs) yeah you know get a good solid seven and a half eight hours of sleep exactly Go back on social media and find that post and then comment. Take that, straw man. (laughs) You leave us comments and we will talk shit about you. How dare you have a typo and call it Friday the 14th. (laughs) I'm sorry. The name of the movie is Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 13th. Anyway... I want to discuss some related movies because this movie really got me thinking about a genre that isn't even a genre, but it's a type of movie that exists, and that type of movie is the versus movie. Now, there's movies where one guy goes against another guy, 
And I think there's like different types of that movie. There's there's two icons that fight each other. That's one type. There's not that many of those, I don't think, that are like big studio movies, but there's a lot of like random... Like crossovers? Yes. And there's a lot of like random ones as well made by like, you know, like Indian or Italian movie studios that don't have the rights to a character. So they'll just put like fucking James Bond versus Robocop or some shit. I was just going to ask, is that kind of like a like a King Kong versus Godzilla kind of thing? Is that yeah. what you're referring to? I think that's more akin to this one, right? Yeah. Two iconic monsters fighting sure. each other. In that case, the kaiju-style monster. In this case, the horror-style monster. Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> See, now that is something that is plausible, I think. But Film Dylan, I wanted to ask you about versus movies. Are there any you like? Are there any you dislike? I think the crazy part is Freddy vs. Jason might be the only blockbuster versus movie that I've seen. I haven't seen Alien vs. Predator, which I feel like is kind of one of the prototypical examples of this. Didn't watch Godzilla vs. Kong. And I think, if anything, like I'm hoping by the end of this podcast I'll be able to figure out like why I'm avoiding these movies so much. Like, Why are these movies... They sound so great in principle. I'm just wondering why they're failing so much. Because, like, yeah, Alien vs. Predator, that sounds awesome. Two iconic alien creatures. Gets panned. This movie gets panned. Godzilla vs. Kong, reasonably panned. So I don't know. I'm wondering uh, what the answer to that question is. It might be too philosophical for us to figure out in, a, in, a, in one podcast. But I did also, in researching versus content, find something that seemed kind of up your alley, Corey which is uh, I found this video game that came out in 1993 that's RoboCop versus The Terminator. Are you familiar with this? I am familiar with this, but you're right. That is up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> it, sound, it sounded, I was like, this is the perfect Corey thing right here. Yeah, I think that was based off a comic at the time. And like mm. at the time, crossover comics were like, I don't want to say they were all the rage, but they were pretty fucking popular. And I think they really like kicked off around that era, late 80s, early 90s. So you had like, um, like especially crossovers that were like DC and Marvel, like happened a lot at that right. time. And you know, none of them were canon, and they usually weren't exactly like the top tier writers, so they weren't really good stories. It was all about like the novelty, just like sell the novelty. And I think that's what RoboCop versus Terminator was. But I think the best example of RoboCop versus Terminator is a death battle episode. Are you guys familiar with the YouTube channel Death Battle? Yes. Okay, I knew it would be like more of a Josh thing. <laughs> but anyway, so versus movies, uh, Dylan, the one that like caught my attention when I was looking at a big list of versus movies was The People versus Larry Flint. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of these is not like the other when you put that against Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the epic battle. <laughs> uh, yeah, another one I saw was like a list that's had, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong, all the, all the, you know, Godzilla's fought about a billion people at this point. And then, it, like, at the very end of the list, it was Kramer vs. Kramer. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I would list the, that movie with all the Godzilla crossovers. I mean, if you're looking at the greater list of versus movies, which I just pulled up again, a lot of them are like old 50s and 60s movies, like Earth vs. Flying Saucers. Adam Man versus Superman, which is a 1950s movie. Uh, there's the 1963 King Kong versus Godzilla, covered mm -hmm. as spoilers. And then there's like a, just 30 Godzilla versus yeah, movies, oh yeah. right? 
lots. <laughs> but the People versus Larry Flint technically qualifies, even though it's like about a court case. <laughs> I guess you could put any court movie in this conversation, then. Even if it doesn't have verses in the title, I guess the essence of it is a head-to-head battle, just in a legal setting. <laughs> Does that mean we're gonna put ballistics X versus Sever in this mo- in this list? See, we're talking about shit I don't know. What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's the. It's like considered one of the worst movies ever made. It's got Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, and it. it came out in like the the early two thousands. How come everything from this era sucks so bad? Like, why are early two thousands movies so fucking bad? I said as soon as this movie started and it, we hit the uh, opening credits, I was like, I've never seen an opening credit sequence with the music and everything that so perfectly tells you exactly what year this came out. Like something <laughs> about this time, it just dates itself immediately. It's new metal as fuck. Exactly. Well said. Now, Josh, I'm going to kick it over to you because you are somewhat of a Freddy Krueger fan. You like all the Freddy Krueger movies. You love the character A Nightmare on Elm Street. Why don't you tell me about one that like sticks out the most to you or one that you like the most? I know you've done a lot of videos, but you can cover it here. So we prefer to be called Fredheads. Let's get that right right off the bat. So as being a fan of the, the Nightmare on Elm Street series, to a fanatical extent as I am, like, I can find something good in every single movie, even the really bad ones. Which are most of them. Which are a lot of them, more than there are good ones. (laughs) But I will, uh, personally, I believe the Dream Warriors hits a soft spot for me. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, if anyone's keeping count. So tell us why, Josh. What separates the Dream Warriors from, like, the Dream Master or from Freddy's Dead or the Dream Child? Oh, man, so many. The characters, first and foremost, the characters are are some of the most strongest they've ever been in the series. Kincaid, there's Joey, there's uh, Patricia Arquette before she gets recasted. <laughs> A character so strong, you don't know her name. Exactly. (laughs) Kristen. So, (laughs) this is the movie that introduces the idea of dream powers. It's a fun little idea that they dabble with with later sequels to varying degrees of success, but it's just an all-around solid film for me. I'll add on to that. I'll say that the reason the characters are more memorable in that movie than any other Freddy movie, or really any horror movie for that matter, is because they're defined by their unique abilities that they can perform while dreaming. So the concept that's introduced in Dream Warriors and is somewhat explored in other movies is that when you are dreaming, you have a special ability. And Nancy, who's in the first movie, kind of like brings this idea forward that Remember when you were a kid and you were dreaming and sometimes you could fly or sometimes you were super strong or sometimes you could do something phenomenal. You can use that ability against Freddy while you're dreaming because when you're dreaming, it's like the Matrix, like the laws of the real world don't apply to you. So each character kind of has their own ability and that's really why you remember them. It's like, oh, that's the guy that's really strong. That's the guy that can scream really loud like Banshee from X-Men. That's the guy that has like wizard D&D powers. 
That's the girl that has two knives, I guess. <laughs> In my dreams, I'm beautiful. And if you're Patricia Arquette, you can do cartwheels. Right. She can do like very entry-level gymnastics. <laughs> well, I guess technically, if you want to get into it, like her power is the ability to bring others into her dream. She allows for all of this plot shit to take place. I was going to save this anecdote for the eventuality when we do a podcast on the Dream Warriors, Josh, but I had a special dream power when I was a kid. Like most kids, you know, horror movies and scary things gave me nightmares. And when I was having a nightmare, I had a special ability that trumps everyone in the Dream Warriors. And that is, I would realize that I was dreaming and I could make myself wake up. Mm. So that would be like the ultimate power against Freddy. Because Freddy's coming at you. I'm like, oh shit, I'm dreaming. I can make myself wake up. He's done. So, like, Freddy wouldn't stand a chance. I'd just wake the fuck up. Yeah, wouldn't that be convenient? <laughs> I had the inverse as... Growing up where, like, because Freddy comes at you in your dreams and I'm having nightmares about him, I'm like, oh, God, oh, it's really happening. He's really going to get me. You dream harder. So it was very traumatizing. Now, Jonathan, you're the last up here. I want to give you a bit of an introduction as well. I know you're a man that has seen a total of zero movies, so I'm not going to ask you about versus movies. <laughs> I've never watched a single movie in my whole life. <laughs> Ever. He's nominated for two, evidently. Yeah. I've participated in them. I just don't watch them. <laughs> the, the secret's out. <laughs> Those nominations were participation awards. Yeah, tell, tell me how this works. A guy who doesn't watch any fucking movies gets on a movie podcast. <laughs> well, you are a great shit talker. <laughs> that, that, this is true. The best I know. Easily. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. That's what that, you were nominated that's for. That's a third nomination. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that versus movies aren't your thing. I know that Freddy and Jason movies aren't your thing. This is the only Freddy and Jason movie you've seen, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, like Dylan, I've never seen a single versus movie. Uh, unless you really want to get into the weeds and you could categorize things as a versus movie, I guess. But anything that, that is specifically related, like a Freddy versus Jason or a, a Godzilla versus King Kong, Alien versus Predator, things like that. I've never seen any of them. I think in the early 2000s where that started to become really popular, I just didn't watch a lot of movies. I was doing a lot of extracurricular activities at that time that didn't involve movies. Chess club. Yes. Moto surfing. Yeah. Yeah. Glee. Yeah. <laughs> Underwater speed chess. <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> well, that's what I was doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Don't criticize his hobbies, Corey. Oh, um, it just took a second for that image to create in my mind. <laughs> Someone underwater in scuba gear playing chess with a little clock. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Take that, Queen's Gambit. Let me ask you this, Jonathan. Sure. Not being a horror fan or a versus movie fan, which I don't think anyone actually is, <laughs> are there any like horror icons that stick out to you that like rise above the rest? Okay, definitely. So if I'm going to go with like a specific horror icon, Dr. Lecter is probably my favorite. He's just... The character that Anthony Hopkins plays is just, it's so fucking intriguing 
and mysterious and when i watch something that is horror related i really like that like psychological horror aspect part of it not so much the like slashers and you know blood and guts everywhere and that kind of shit like that's not my that's not my bag baby um <laughs> well yeah well i so happen to have a book you wrote here called slashers blood and guts this sort of thing is my bag baby <laughs> i'm so glad you picked up on that too Corey and i used to joke about austin powers all the time when we were younger like after austin powers and the second one came out like literally every joke we said was an austin powers reference yeah it was amazing. Which was really impressive because you had never seen either movie. As I mentioned, you've never seen a movie. <laughs> right. So who would you have Hannibal Lecter fight if you could pick anybody? Ooh. Well, he wouldn't fight anybody. He would get no, he's others. He's going to fight somebody. We need, we need to sell tickets. Oh, God. So the uh, movie title is Hannibal Lecter versus, and you get to pick the opponent. Hmm. Josh will write the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's a that's a tough put me on the spot. I'll get back to you in my final review for this movie. Okay. I got I got the documents loaded up here. We can make this happen. <laughs> okay. Perfect. I, I got a fill in spot if you need some time. Hannibal right. Lecter versus Justin Bieber. Mm. Oh no, come on. I, I need another we we're gonna put another horror icon in there. No, just, no, I'm not trying to do celebrity deathmatch shit here. Come on. <laughs> that we were just matching levels of evil. Oh God! <laughs> no. Okay. Well, he did. He did. Uh, never mind. I don't know where you're going out. with that, but if you stopped yourself, it must have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. that yeah. We're, we're not going to go there. Um, what I will. What we will go to is. So I like the psychological thrillers and and horror that lean that direction. If I were to go and pick a movie that's more of a horror category kind of like this is I've always been a fan of the house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects series from Rob Zombie. How could I being born of such uh, conventional stock arrive a leader of the rebellion, an escapist from a conformist world destined to find happiness only in that which cannot be explained. I brought you here for a reason. But unfortunately, you and your sentimental minds are doing me no good. My brain is frozen, locked. I have to break free from this culture of mechanical reproductions and the thick incrustations dying on the surface. Oh, Christ. Fuck it. Hell yeah. Those are my all-time horror movies. There's I would watch a movie where Hannibal Lecter runs into those those bozos. Oh dude, they they would fucking wreck him, <laughs> I'm sure. But just that style of like darkness but odd and very like peculiar touches that are in that movie with music and lighting and the background and like just not, I'm not saying Rob Zombie is like some amazing, wonderful director, but the vision that he has in making those movies, I really appreciate and, and I like. And so that's the type of horror movie that I prefer to watch. 
My problem with Rob Zombie is he used that vision for his next, like, six films. Right. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jonathan and you, Josh, in that I think his vision was, like, perfectly captured in those movies, especially House of a Thousand Corpses, which has, like, throwbacks to older-style 70s horror movies in some ways with a little bit of, like, modern-day viewpoints inserted as well or some modern-day sensibilities, I should say, in terms of horror. But as his career kind of went on, I fell off the wagon, that's for sure. Like, I'm not a fan of all of his shit. But he also, like, makes movies for fans that are, like, very specific. Like, he made the Halloween remakes, and I think those are for, like, hardcore Halloween fans. Like, they seem to be, like, Mm. really deep in Halloween lore. Not two, it ain't. Not two. Two's a middle finger, if anything. As a Halloween fan, I feel that the second one is a, really jumps the fucking shark. Mm. You know what I, I am looking forward to, though, is the Munsters um, that he's doing. <laughs> it's almost ready. Like, I grew up watching the Munsters. Reruns. I think it's out now. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'll have to check it out. But I don't watch movies. But, you know, so I might just watch a you know, recap of it. But I love that show, dude. <laughs> yeah. And, and he put so much into the, um, set build and recreating the exact house. And, and that's one that I'm definitely looking forward to. All that being said, I don't think it looks good. I was about to say, have you seen the trailer? <laughs> I think it looks like a very strange movie in that it looks like a show that is just has an extended runtime. Like it looks like the show and it, it looks like it's going to feel like the show. But I don't think when you adapt like an old sitcom into a movie, like I think you have to change something, which is why I think the Adams family worked so well yeah. because they they made it like kind of a unique genre. Like what if the Adams family but today? In fact, all of the old sitcom movies were that. What if the Brady Bunch but today? What if the Beverly Hillbillies but today? Yeah. I'm confused why you guys are talking about this as if it's a real movie. I thought the trailer was a joke, and I'm not even kidding. Like a fan-made trailer? Like, oh my god. It looked like something I made. It looked like one of my videos. It's not that bad. So, (laughs) (laughs) Zing. (laughs) You fucking led yourself right into that pit, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's amazing so we'll see how it turns out you know it could be good it could be bad and most likely it's not going to be great but i i go into these things with with an open mind which is good like my policy for every movie we watch for this podcast is whether i've seen it or not i'm going into it with a fresh set of eyes and a fresh mindset and i don't make my judgments until the end of the movie and i get to hear everybody's opinions like Josh's, whether I agree with it or not. And then I, you know, base my opinions afterwards. With the mind unclouded by hate. Yeah. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like cloud my own judgment by the, the preview that I see on the Facebook page, you know? So we'll see. Fair enough. Side note. I do have one versus I want to bring up though. Okay. And you and I used to participate in this versus. It was WCW versus NWO on PlayStation <laughs> 1. Ooh. 
world and we, tour? Yeah, we thought that that was so amazing. The graphics are never going to get any better than this. This is the the best video game graphics and move sets that we've ever seen. And now you go back and look at that shit from like 25 years ago, and it was awful. It's a little bit blocky, it, a little it, bit of polygony. It it's but the li- gameplay is solid. Yeah, the, the those that series of wrestling games, dude. Yeah. That had some good control. We talked about it on the video games episode we did, but right. I, I stand by some of those older wrestling games. Like In Warzone terms, was awesome. Right. Yeah. Yes. Marvel vs. Capcom games are better. Uh, WrestleMania 2000 is what I thought you were referring to. Warzone, oh. no. I'm going to say no on Warzone. <laughs> oh, I, that's the one I had, so right. that's the one I liked. <laughs> We've been there, yes. Anyways, that's it. I'm done with Versus. Well, let's talk about the movie, A Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 13th, 2003, directed by Ronnie Yu. Film Dylan, why don't you take us into it, man? Yes, well, we open with kind of a, a narration segment, and uh, I had seen this movie one time before I watched it again last night, and already I was like, wow, I've been forgetting a lot of parts of this movie. And uh, this was one of them. We kind of see the non-burnt and scarred Freddy in sort of his murder dungeon. And he's talking about, you know, his ways as a serial killer and kind of gives you the whole backstory on Friday the... or not Friday the 13th, goodness, I'm already mixing them up, on Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, in case you didn't see the original, basically. Just kind of getting you up to speed. Which I think there's probably a couple people who didn't see either and are just like, this looks cool. So it gets you up to speed. And he's talking about basically how his way of living and being able to keep torturing people in their dreams as people have to remember him. And recently, people have been forgetting about Freddy. So uh, he's kind of coming up with a mechanism to get back into the world, which uh, is is Jason. Like, let me send Jason out as my, basically my henchman, and then uh, hopefully people will put two and two together that Freddy's back. And their fear gave me the power to invade their dreams. And that's when the fun really began. Until they figured out a way to forget about me. To erase me completely. Being dead wasn't a problem, but being forgotten, now that's a bitch. I can't come back if nobody remembers me! I can't come back if nobody's afraid! I had to search the bowels of hell. But I found someone. Someone who'll make them remember. He may get the blood, but I'll get the glory. And that fear... Here's my ticket home. They'll see Jason and they'll be like, holy shit, there was another guy named Freddy Krueger. Exactly. Yeah. Who wouldn't see the scary hockey mask guy and be like, wait a minute, what about that other guy that used to be here? (laughs) For somebody that's never seen other nightmare movies or Jason movies, I felt like they did a decent job of explaining exactly what Freddy's backstory was for this to give somebody a good background to go with and go, okay, I, I I see what he's doing here. But, um, I don't think you could do a movie like this in 2000, 
22. What year is like, it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> something around. I was thinking 20 years later. Oh, it's almost 20 years after this one. It but is. I don't think that the world is accepting of a kid killing movie like this anymore. Like, I think, I think we're too protected now. You think Freddie would get canceled? We're too soft. Yeah. I think Freddie gets canceled. His Twitter gets <laughs> shut down. Yeah, dude. I, I don't think, I don't think we ever see another Freddie movie. <laughs> no more tweets for you. <laughs> we did just see the black phone though, which I did not actually watch, but based on the trailer it seemed like a, child kidnapper slash killer so yeah they, they this movie still pop up from time to time we're, we're we're on the on the line but yeah i don't know i though i think what was the last nightmare on elm street content was the the remake with um what is it jackie earl haley is that his name who played freddie in that remake that's the last we've seen of freddie right nope that movie doesn't exist so <laughs> <laughs> that movie was more overt too in freddie's crimes than any other freddie movie yeah mm-hmm. In terms of like, he doesn't just kill the kids. Like that, that was made a little bit more clear in that movie. Uh, they wanted to make that one dark, you know, because for Freddie, like just by his nature, because he's like so like energetic and, for lack of a better word, funny. They leaned into comedy with these movies. Like it didn't really start off that way, but like the more he killed people, the more jokes he made, the more comedic they became. Right, Josh. Yeah, and the more children Christmas pajamas they would sell. Like, they they were hawking all sorts of merch at primetime 80s, Freddy time. I was going to say, Corey and, and, and Josh, you guys are a little bit more familiar with the Freddy lore than I am. Is there, like, a specific point where Freddy kind of made that transition from... Like, I feel like he was fairly serious in the original movie. Like, maybe there was a one-liner here or there, but, like, now he's full-blown dropping quips left and right and, like, references to jokes and stuff like when did that transition occur three's a little in that direction that's where you get like what i think is probably his worst line the welcome to prime time bitch this is it jennifer your big break in tv welcome to prime time bitch (laughs) but four and five and Freddy's dead is what really solidified. All right, I kill somebody. Now I do a pun. Now I do a joke. I can't believe I was getting harped on over Rob Zombie movies, and this guy likes all these Freddy movies. <laughs> I like Freddy uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 39. <laughs> yeah, Josh, what's up with that? What you got to say? Hey, well, I grew up with these, man. No, I did too, probably to a lesser degree than you, Josh, but I definitely rented many of them as a kid. And that was kind of the appeal to me, is that they weren't so scary that they would keep me up all night, although sometimes they did. But for the most part, it was like, it's kind of funny, so it's okay. Like, it's a good way to, like, lean into a horror movie as a kid, is that there's a comedic element, so, like, I'm not, like, you know, shivering in my boots, so to speak. Yeah. Josh, when was the first uh, Nightmare movie? Was it like 89 or 88 or something? 84. Oh, shit. So they already had several films out by the mid-90s? So by the time 90, 91 rolls around, they're already at Freddy's Dead. Yeah, so yes. So they've shit out six sequels in that time. Jesus, they were cranking out like one a year. From 84 (laughs) to 90 or 91. 
I mean, it's the same thing with the uh, Friday the 13th movies. They were cranking yeah. out literally one a year for a time. They were like the yeah. Saw movies of their era yeah. coming out every fucking year. And like they were made on very low budgets, the uh, Friday the 13th movies. And they were made with a low budget and they always made a decent amount of money. And that's really why they kept coming. There was 12 Friday the 13th movies. Not all of them had Friday the 13th in the title, but movies They're- featuring Jason Voorhees. So do you guys prefer that sort of like jokey Freddy or the more serious Freddy that you got in the first movie? Like if you can only kind of have it one way or the other, I I know it's hard to speculate on the more serious one because we were pretty quickly out of that, but I don't know. I'm I'm like, I was kind of thinking during this movie, I was like, would I like it better if Freddy was a little less goofy and a little bit more menacing? I think Dream Warriors hits the fine line of menacing slash jokey. I think the original is the better film where he is taken a bit more serious, but I think you can strike a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like new nightmare. New nightmare is pretty divisive, but that's the one that's like, I'd say the most serious of the bunch since the first one. Right, Josh? Yeah. It's the meta film where Freddie starts attacking the, the casting crew of the original film. Yes. Anyway, back into the movie. We get a little bit of the introduction that Dylan described. Freddy wants to come back to the world, but people have forgotten him. Apparently, you have to remember him for him to come back. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Jason has been dead for a while, but Freddy kind of finds him and figures out a way to manipulate him, resurrect him through the form of Pamela Voorhees. Through the form of exposition. Yeah, he's really talking to the camera. Like, this is some Deadpool shit. There's, I mean, a lot in Freddy movies, where you, you'll see a character just, like, talking out loud just for the sake of the camera. But in this case, not only does that happen, but Freddy really talks directly to us at times, like, as if he's aware that there's an audience member watching. He's not talking to himself. He's looking at the camera. Make them remember me, Jason. Make them remember what fear tastes like! I have been away from my children for far too long. That's a little annoying, but... (laughs) That's a little annoying. But Jonathan, even more annoying than that, We see the Elm Street girls. We get to see, you know, the teenagers that are so prevalent in horror movies as the protagonists, you know, the heroes. Uh, What do you think of these, uh, you know, typical teenagers talking about fucking the Three Stooges? Is that what teenage girls are into? Is that what Um, you're into? (laughs) Marry, fuck, or kill. Your choices are are the Three Stooges. Go, Kia. (laughs) Oh, God. Um... Which one had the super bad toupee here? Harry. Mer- <laughs> no, 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 no. It was it was Mo. Oh. Yeah. Either one, I kill him. <laughs> okay. Well, who'd you fuck then? This is stupid, y'all. Oh, come on. Come on. Oh God. Whatever. <laughs> Look, I fucked the ball guy and I marry Larry. Jesus. <laughs> is this what we're doing all night? Cause y'all, this is really stank. Maybe in 2003, <laughs> they did that kind of thing. Like <laughs> weird kinks back then. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like huh? I just 
this type of slasher horror movie, you have the gratuitous, like skinny dipping girl in the beginning of the movie in the lake with a huge fake rack. Like, like why? What for what? I mean, I get that it leads to the Jason thing and da 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 da, whatever. But like, I just, it's just so fucking typical, man. Like, what the, the, Excessive nudity is really a, a Friday the 13th staple. Like the Nightmare right. on Elm Street series never really did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that makes sense. The, the Camp Crystal Lake and all that. And, you know, like this whole the the teenagers underage drinking home alone, thinking they're cool, smoking menthols. Um, they're all actually 25. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that casting 25 to 29 year olds to play 16 year olds. Right. I mean, but I mean that, that goes back to even to the happy days series, like stuff like that, you know, I mean, how long were they in high school? Oh, dude, (laughs) the Fonz was like 43 by the time he graduated, (laughs) but it's just so typical and so obnoxious. Like, I mean, how how many times can this same idea just be ripped off again and again and again and again and again and again, <laughs> 27 times combined between the two films, you know, like it's just I think when it's old, man, I think when a horror filmmaker is making a horror movie, especially one that is related to like older types of horror movies, they feel they have to include the tropes. Otherwise, they'll be attacked by the fan base. Mm. Josh, would you say that's true? Like, like they, they pretty much have to do this, right? Uh, maybe they feel they have to. I personally don't. I, I think this is like one of the weakest films or weakest parts of the film. I don't give a shit about these teenager 20 somethings. Nobody gives a shit. We're here to see Freddy versus Jason and we spend way too much time for, with these characters. We know we're going to get killed. Yeah, they're they're pretty much just there to have a body count, and they like have very slight character development. Like, I don't even want to say development, but like describing their characters is it's a chore because there's not a lot to them. <laughs> there's Lori, Ginger Snaps, and Destiny's Child. <laughs> The Kia, the Kia fucking car, uh, <laughs> Kia Sorento. Yeah, yeah, Kia Sorento. <laughs> I was gonna go with Kia Soul, but okay. you know, <laughs> wow. they order up some like two bro man types, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, they have the like you know that typical. Oh, he's a teenage dirt bag. The dude sitting there drinking whiskey out of a flask and scratching his nutsack on the chair. Like, he's really passionate about feng shui, though. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Lori. I uh, I like the flow of your place. Got good feng shui. Yeah. He was so creepy though when he came up behind. Lori and was like trying to talk about feng shui but he he had to take a swig from the flask every two seconds it's really creepy vibes like you're trying way too hard to get laid man yeah and then and then kia pushing her to to go upstairs and bang him like what was giving me bad vibes was the guy yelling at ginger snaps don't make me ask you twice i got a kink in my neck come on massage it out for me 
I think you need a few more drinks before there'll be any massaging. What do you see in him? I don't know. But he has a cute ass. Babe, you made me ask you twice, okay? Catherine Isabel is a treasure, Josh. And I say that because you're calling her Ginger Snaps. For those that don't know, she is the lead in a movie that came out a year or two before this called Ginger Snaps. And uh, it's my favorite horror movie ever made. It's a movie I've been meaning to see. It's great. And then right after this, she did the Ginger Snaps sequels, which were filmed back to back. And uh, another guy, one of the... uh, Guys in the mental ward, not the main one, but the other one was with her in that. Oh, a uh, blonde guy that shows his ass? Mark. Yeah, blonde yes, guy that Mark. shows his ass. <laughs> monkey the boy. monkey guy. Yeah. Now, it, it's not too long before Friday the 13th himself shows up. <laughs> 14th. <laughs> yeah, he gets a cigarette butt dramatically flicked onto his hockey mask and just a glorious one-two shot right there. (laughs) To me, that's cinema, Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys get get the vibe that they kept making him look taller and taller throughout the movie? Like, in the very beginning, he was kind of like when he uh, stabbed that girl by the lake into the tree, he was just kind of like regular size Jason and then towards the end he was like getting bigger and taller hmm so interesting fact Jonathan they did not recast Kane Hodder who played Jason through most of the Friday the 13th sequels they recasted I don't remember his name but a bigger actor to help sell that marketing that juxtaposition of a smaller framed Freddy versus this big giant behemoth guy yeah, the guy that played him in this movie is called uh, Ken Kurtzinger. And like Josh said, it used to be played by Kane Hodder, who is famous for being The Undertaker's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everyone. He survived the fire, Gord. Thank you so much for listening. No. Um... <laughs> that was my favorite wrestler back in the day, though. Dude, Kane was sick. Dude, yeah. <laughs> So Jason Voorhees appears at the Elm Street house of all places and makes his first kill. Now he doesn't just, you know, cut his way through this whole house. He kills one guy. He picks the douchiest guy in the house. And Jonathan, what do you think of this kill? <laughs> um, what, one thing I want to do want to talk about this kid. Okay, so he just got done banging his girlfriend that you guys are referring to as ginger snaps, right? And then he's like, oh, your hair smells like menthols. Go take a shower. And he sends her off to like, go take a shower. And like, that reminded me of this meme that I saw recently. And it was like, it talks about while you have like a tab of uh, open of um, Pornhub and you're beating your meat, dude, and you finally finish. And then you're like, oh God, well, what did I just do? Like, that's disgusting. Like how horrible of me. And you got to close your secret window browser and all this kind of stuff. Like, do you see his face? Like he looked so disgusted and like grossed out that he just banged this cigarette smoker of a girl. Yeah. Like, he had the uh, post nut shame. Yeah. yeah seriously. Anyways, it was not like post-nut clarity. It was post-nut shame, (laughs) for sure. 
And then Jason comes in and just fucking hacks him up, dude, and like folds him in half, right? I love it. It's like one of the most epic Jason kills in the entire Friday the 13th series. It is. I think that's one of the best. Like, that's good. That's a good way to start it off. That's good shit. He he straight just just stabs him, like prison shanks him with that machete (laughs) like 20 times and then and then folds him in half. Now, there's a lot of things in this movie that play out this way. A lot of uh, the beats in this movie go from, oh, that's really cool to, oh, shit, that's awful. Very fast. Very fast. (laughs) Very inconsistent. Lightning quick. (laughs) And I think this is a good example of that because everything before this is a just a chore to get through with these teens talking about their personal issues. No one cares. No one's ever going to care. I don't even think the director wants us to care, but he's spending a lot of time on them. And then this dude gets killed in a very glorious fashion, and I think it's pretty great the way he does. I'd like to imagine he gets bent backwards like that in the mattress, and then, you know, Jim Ross pops up, and he's like, Oh my God, he is broken in half. (laughs) Release the puppies. Somebody stop the match. (laughs) You guys remember when JR used to refer to titties as puppies? That's Jerry the King Lawler, sir. Yeah, Yeah, and that was Sable's puppies that he originally started talking about. And then Miss Kitty, and he, he married her. What a perv. Yeah, he married Miss Kitty. <laughs> so funny because she was like this like hot young 25-year-old and the king must have been like 50. At you least. Know? Like, <laughs> yeah, at least. But he was a king. He was. He had the power. He could marry whoever he wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> marry me. Hey, you know, we also get introduced right here to the first police officer and <laughs> this guy is probably my favorite character, but only because he was my favorite character in another movie. White uh, chicks? White chicks. He's the um, s- sniffing chicks panties guy in White Chicks. <laughs> the guy with the frosted tips? Yeah. I fucking love this guy, dude. He's such a moron. <laughs> You're not going to believe what I... the hell are you doing? <laughs> sniffing chicks underwear, man. <laughs> It's peaked. It's what? The guys, aren't they? Wow. You really are disgusting. Because after this kid is killed, everyone kind of like runs to the police station. And um, Lori, who is set up to be like the main girl, the final girl, if you will, the main character of the movie, the blonde one. <laughs> She's kind of like putting the pieces together and film Dylan. She falls asleep at the police station, doesn't she? She does. She does and she quickly comes under the reach of Freddy. She walks past some missing kids posters that pull a uh, Disney Haunted Mansion and kind of like follow her as she walks by (laughs) in dramatic fashion. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that's immediately what I thought of. But she's seeing like uh, these these little blood droplets coming from the ceiling, and then they quickly disappear. It's just the, kind of this quick little dream sequence. There's a girl singing the classic one, two, Freddy's coming for you, but her eyes are all gouged out, and it's disgusting. And frankly, I don't really remember how this resolves itself. I feel like she just kind of like snaps awake at the end. When uh, when Freddy reveals himself, and we just kind of get our first hint of like, okay, now it's not just Jason as the puppet, but Freddy's going to try and kind of make his way back into this as well. 
His name is Freddy Krueger, and he loves children, especially little girls. Freddy's coming back. Soon he'll be strong enough. It's okay to be afraid. We're all afraid. We're your friends. And that's really no fault of you, Film Dylan. I think this movie is really a mess. Like, it's largely incoherent. And while I was watching it, I couldn't remember why people were doing what they were doing at any given time. I was like, <laughs> wait, why are they over here? Why are they going to this place? It's got serious pacing issues. And I think the storytelling is just convoluted, frankly. And, you know, the, it, people come to this movie for the title of the movie, for the premise, exactly. for the idea that... A Nightmare on Elm Street is going to fight a Friday on the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> Saying this is going to be difficult, but I'm committing, okay? <laughs> you got to. Uh, you got to. It's good to be every time. I've never seen a nightmare fight a street. <laughs> it's an oh, epic battle for the ages. I just fucked that up too, didn't I? <laughs> then, Jonathan, you haven't lived. I've never seen a nightmare fight a date. <laughs> Okay, that works slightly better. I like the, I like the original one you said. Actually, I'm gonna let's go with that. Yeah, film Dylan. During that dream sequence, we get to see like what I think one of the biggest flaws of movies from this era is, and that's like the weird insertion of CG. Don't you think? Definitely, it's it's not great in this movie. Like Freddy looks good because it's a practical mask, but for some reason, anytime they're doing like a Freddy kind of manipulating some sort of object or something to kind of look like him. They're like, oh, we'll go the CGI route here, and it always looks worse. There's a very key example a lot later in this movie where they're in a hospital that we'll get to eventually that absolutely blew my mind the first time I saw it and blew it again last night while I was watching it. Of like, I can't believe they thought this looked good. But, I mean, it's a flaw of a lot of movies at this time. You can definitely... I mean, there's always the classic arguments of, like, this is post-Jurassic Park, or at this point, we're around Lord of the Rings. Like, there's ways to do good CGI, but with whatever budget they had to work with here, it, it wasn't enough. I think it was a conscious effort to not give a shit about the CG <laughs> to be that great, you know? I mean, yeah. it's just the trend of all of the, the prior movies on both sides the nightmare and camp crystal lake movies <laughs> good yeah let's do that <laughs> they um they're all extremely low budget in order to maximize you know value on on their return and so i think there's a conscious effort to just say like we're not gonna do that great of the cg like because people are gonna watch it anyways it's funny that you say like a conscious effort to make it like shitty. And it's, <laughs> look, here's the thing with the older ones. I'll, I'm not going to talk to this movie yet on that topic. I'll get there. But on the older movies, like the Freddy Krueger movies and the Jason Voorhees movies, the practical effects that they used for the kills, like, you know, like a knife going through a throat or I guess very famously in the first Friday the 13th movie. The arrow goes through like Kevin Bacon's throat. I think it's the first one. That might be the second one. Doesn't it's matter. It's the first one. Yeah, first mm -hmm. one. The way that looks is so real because they spent time and effort on the practical effects, the makeup, the you know, the, the little skin jobs and shit. They Tom Savini in there. Yeah, I was about to say they had God effects artist Tom Savini working on it, so that helps. Right. 
I think they they spent time on those ones to make them like look good, you know. Absolutely. Because they couldn't just fall back on a computer and just say, "Let's just do it in a computer George Lucas style." Right. But now they could do some CG stuff half-assed and it looks okay and they say, "Ah, fuck it, that's good enough" because we didn't have to pay anybody, you know, a fat paycheck to actually come up with real practical um effects. Yeah. Was that your review of Moonfall? I've never seen Moonfall. John, he, John don't has never movies, seen dude. a movie. Don't you know this, Josh? He hasn't seen movies. <laughs> what are uh, films? <laughs> Is that why you joined the pod to figure this out, this philosophical <laughs> question? <laughs> what are film? What is movie? <laughs> what are film? Do films really exist? <laughs> This is like the Jaden Smith introspective Twitter questions. Uh, hey, hey, all right, stop now. It's like it's in search of Sasquatch. There's a quick thing that happens in this movie, guys. There's a guy named Blake who's like in and out of this movie super fast. The only reason I bring him up is because his dad looks exactly like Alex Jones. Like, <laughs> no, exactly like Alex Jones. <laughs> and then they do the 2000s trope where... When Blake sees his dad for the second time, he like looks over and he's like, Dad? And his dad is just like sitting there perfectly still, you know, no sound, no movement whatsoever. And then his head just slides off. His head does not just slide off, it full on pops off like one of those little, like, you know, those rubber toy disc things you'd like press down on the floor and they'd sit there for a second and then they <laughs> yes. just shoot up like 10 yes. feet. That's what happens. It's like a jack in the box. I don't know what causes his head to do that but it makes no sense that whole scene is a very like perfect sample of some of the fatal flaws of this movie like uh, blake walks into the street he's having a dream he's investigating some noise that he definitely should not investigate and he sees freddie down the street which is like kind of this classic image from a lot of the nightmare movies and freddie attacks him with a shadow and blake just goes wait i'm okay i'm all right like those that's verbatim the line he says before he goes back to his porch he says i'm okay i'm all right after getting like a shadow like plunged through his chest i'm like who thought that line of dialogue was okay right there okay i'm all right not strong enough yet. Well, I will be soon enough. Until then, <laughs> I'll let Jason have some fun. Yeah, that's that's not my reaction in that situation, I'll tell you that. No. Wait a second. I'm okay. Somebody got <laughs> paid to write that. And I'll say this to the movie's credit, and I don't even think this was intentional, but this is where I'll give him some credit. Blake is drinking a lot in this movie, right? He hits his flask. You know, he's going through some shit, but he even drinks when he's not going through some shit, when he's just relaxing. So he's drinking a lot. So he hears the sound, and he rolls up his sleeves to go investigate, right? I think the liquid courage aspect of that is what's playing a factor. Okay, fair enough. In his willingness to go investigate a foreign noise when someone was just murdered. Right. I think he's, like, being tough. He's like, you know what? I'll go fuck this dude up. Because I've been there, not to this degree, but, you know, I've I've stepped into situations that I should not have because I felt brave. And uh, I don't think that was necessarily intentional because pretty much everyone is like that in this movie. But I'll give Blake <laughs> a pass just for that moment. 
Yeah, if he was sober, he'd be like, fuck that noise. I'm going inside. In a real world, yeah. yeah. Maybe not in this movie. He no. might still just do it. No. The I'm okay, I'm all right line seems 80 yard. You don't see him, act- the actor actually say it. So I'm wondering if they did that shitty shadow stab thing and then he just ran away and test audiences were like, what happened there? Is it- Why isn't he dead? Yeah, because Freddy explaining that he's not strong enough was not enough for our dumb audiences. No, no, we need more. Yeah, right. That's that's all you need. I I don't get the that we like need to tell you that he's okay by him literally saying, "I'm okay." <laughs> I'm okay. I'm all right. <laughs> Josh, there's uh, two horror movie tropes that are committed to a psych ward at Weston Hills, aren't there? One is the love interest. One is the expert. The crazy ex-love and the crazy best friend. Weirdly enough, not played by Seth Green, but we get some exposition that Will played by uh, John Ritter's son. What's his? Jason Ritter. Yeah. Is Lori's ex. Some incident happened a few years ago and... Now he's been he's been locked down in in the psych ward with his his blonde friend, who has blonde hair and is the the best friend of the, the movie. <laughs> he's the Freddy expert, dude. He's the yeah he is the Freddy expert. He is the only person to get killed by Freddy. I don't know if you guys were keeping count. Freddy gets one point on the board. Really? I was not keeping count, but now that I think about it, yeah, that's right, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, very inefficient killing spree for Freddy in this movie. Yeah. Now, uh, a quick side note, Jonathan. There is a character called Kia. We talked about her a little bit. Remember how I was saying, like, you can kind of, like, describe their character traits, like, briefly because they're fairly shallow? I think that's most literally applicable to her because she says more than once that she wants to get a nose job. And Freddy gives her one, doesn't he? Confirmed. Yeah, he really does. He sticks those uh, sweet razor fingers up her nose and fucking rips her entire nose and cartilage off, apparently. Like, that was such a stupid fucking effect. It was god-awful. Probably one of the worst Freddy moments ever depicted in film. (laughs) Seriously, like, like I expected him to, like, you know, just slit her nose open, you know, and, and like there actually to be something there, but they took her nose off like a fucking Mr. Potato head. dude. <laughs> like it was so ridiculous. It's more ridiculous than Freddie having the, the power glove claw thing from Freddie's dead. And that's pretty bad. And that's, that's saying something. This is worse because this is everything that's wrong with 2000s horror movies right here. Mm-hmm. It's like, they want to give you this big shock and awe of violence I don't know, I guess filmmakers at the time thought they had the technology to do that in a computer. And it looks horrible. It does not look good at all. You'd be amazed at the things computers can do nowadays in 2003, Corey. I know, I played <laughs> Roller Coaster Tycoon, sir. But, <laughs> Let's go. But this is no Roller Coaster Tycoon. It is not. And also to, to speak to the comedic value of earlier 
when Freddie rips Kia's nose off, it made like a popping noise. Like if you were did. pulling apart a Lego or some shit. <laughs> like it was, it was really fucking stupid. Or like pulling off a clown nose, something yeah. like that. Oh, if he like took the nose and then like honked it like a clown nose, I would have mm-hmm. loved that. That it, I mean, I'm surprised that didn't happen. Frankly, that seemed like the next logical step after taking the nose off. That would make sense. I want to mention something before we move past it too quick. I just love how they handle Blake's death. Like everybody goes to school the next day. Like Laurie insists, like, okay, I'm gonna go to school. And, like, they just drop on Larry. Oh, yeah, Blake's dead, too. Like, that's literally the worst way you could drop that on somebody as soon as they get to school. And her reaction is just, what? That's crazy. Yeah, what? No way. And then no way. My, my favorite part of it is they say he was stabbed to death. And I'm like, <laughs> like we just watched him get beheaded, basically, by, by Jason. I'm like, stabbed to death is a bit of an understatement. I don't think he has his head anymore. Imagine if they just said he was stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got shanked in his front yard. <laughs> he was cut. Yeah. How did Jason kill Blake's dad? He like chopped his head off and somehow there was no blood that he like put him next to a sleeping Blake. How did that work? Yeah, and then he spring loaded it so that it would pop off. Yeah. <laughs> he spring loaded it. He set a, a contraption with a timer, with an egg timer. He, he got one of those uh, one of those airbag under the couch cushions from oh the God. Jackass crew. Put that- <laughs> he put a whoopee cushion under Blake's chair. He's got like the voice of Bugs Bunny. Ain't I a stinker? Yeah, because he doesn't talk. He's actually like Wiley Coyote. He just holds up a sign. Yeah. Like he- <laughs> this is by cruel world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, at this point in the movie, we are taken to a rave in the cornfields. Now, this is a sick party, dude, isn't it? Dude, this is so 2000s right here. (laughs) I mean, a a rave in the middle of the cornfield doesn't get any more 2003. Thank you. I'm a bunch of underage kids that somehow got a bunch of kegs and electrical power in the middle of a field <laughs> got those generators out there yeah yeah like none of these kids are a rave crowd like at all do you kids even rave like they're all a bunch of just regular nightmare casting old teens yeah yeah like they, poor teens they're yeah they're not they're not ravers so i i don't understand it I mean, the music was cool, though. It sounded like I was on Riddler's Revenge at, you know, Six Flags or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, the one guy's a raver, the rapist guy. The raper? Yeah. Yeah, he's a raper. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to the rapes. Yeah, he thought it was a rape, but it was a rave. <laughs> the flyer had a typo. <laughs> the flyer was real. <laughs> this is fucked up. I dressed for both... <laughs> Hey, oh, dude, that brings me to the, uh, remember in old school when the guy knocks on the door and he's like, I'm here for the gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like, I'm here for the rape rave. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't right, man. <laughs> like that guy is probably the one that brought the ecstasy for everybody. <laughs> Film Dylan. 
There's a character named Gib, who we call Ginger Snaps. She kind of like wanders off from this rave and sees her dead boyfriend, Weekend at Bernie style, right? I'm dead one day and you're already out getting shit-faced? Same old Gib! Trey, I, I can't believe it. Come on, let's go. Okay. Yeah, she sees kind of this weird head in the corn, and then the head like snaps back around onto the body, and he's acting the same way he was when they were at the house earlier, moments before he was killed. I kind of like that touch that it was sort of the similar behavior, but uh, yeah, she follows him into this cornfield, which I would just never do given the murderous circumstances that have been surrounding this town recently but uh she she wanders off indeed and she walks into this silo i don't know if she hears the boyfriend's voice in the silo or what because again i would not be walking into this abandoned silo uh, at this moment in time and uh freddie takes kind of one of his first like full body forms to somebody and starts stalking her through this this silo building which is a uh, Kind of a classic Freddy stalking sequence, like all in red, and he's clanging his claws all around on all the metal and making like really uncomfortable screeching sounds on the metal. Pretty, pretty like typical Freddy here. I feel like this is kind of the closest you get to what you know as classic Freddy behavior. Hell yeah. So I do really like the, um, the area that Catherine Isabel's character Gib is in when a nightmare on Elm Street is stalking her. I, I I think it's classic Freddy, like film Dylan was saying. Like, it becomes like the boiler room, right, Josh? Yeah, uh, they seemingly tried to recreate some of the original boiler room aesthetic from the original series, and not so much the later films where it gets a little over the top, you know? Uh, but we we got to talk about my favorite character, and I'm sure it's your favorite character, Corey. We got Jason Muse at home. Oh, Kmart, Jay and Silent Bob. There's a lot to say about this guy who, yeah, you're right. He starts to become more prevalent around the area of the rave. He just suddenly joins the group in a scene. He's just there now. But let's go back to the, the chase sequence. What I, I think is pretty interesting is when Jason kills and impels Ginger Snaps, we see that effect from Freddy's perspective, what it looks like to him. You see, like, blood splatter on his face, which which I think is a nice touch, and then poof, she's just gone. I really do like that concept. My favorite effect was in this um, scene where Gib fell off of the, like, catwalk and yeah. onto the lockers and then onto the concrete floor. I thought that that was actually pretty well done stunt compared to everything else that was done in this entire movie. It looked like a real fall and she really hit those metal steel lockers and bounced off of them onto the concrete. And I appreciated the like thoroughness of that fall. The stunt work. Don't worry about my little Aaron, boy. The only thing to fear is fear himself.
Yeah. Well, you felt like the the physics of it, and yeah. I think a lot of that is, like you said, the stunt, and then another half of it is like the sound design. Yeah. They made that sound feel like real. Yeah. And you know, it's just like you can kind of feel the pain. You know, every now and then you watch a movie like this where someone gets hurt and you like wince because yeah. you can like imagine that. That is exactly what happened. I was just like, oh fuck! Like that's probably the only thing that made me actually react in this movie was that. Right. And it it goes to show that like what I was saying earlier, like the ups and downs come super quick in this movie because mm-hmm. her actual death is pretty lame, especially compared to the first official death that Friday the 13th performs earlier <laughs> in the movie where he breaks that guy in half. Like the kills are a big part of these types of movies, especially when it more became centered around the villain. Like, when a Nightmare on Elm Street movies became about Freddy killing people as opposed to people trying to escape a killer, and you're there to see him kill people, they got creative. And you're there for these creative moments. Same thing with Friday the 13th. You know, when Jason Voorhees is killing people, it's like, they'll pick someone up and break him in half. Or in Jason X, he, like, takes this girl's head, he grabs her by the back of the head, and he puts it in the liquid nitrogen, and her head freezes while she's under the water. He pulls it out, and then he smashes it. That's creative. That's fun. That's what you're there for at this point. And uh, sometimes they just really... They they fucking miss the mark on these kills, especially when it's just a stab. I was going to say, that's always what drew me to the Nightmare on Elm Street series, is when they have nightmare sequences, it's these big elaborate set pieces. They're, there's a lot of creative things going on in those dream sequences throughout the series. The Friday films is always just Jason steps into frame, kills somebody. There are creative kills, but a lot of it is just this. Film Dylan, this is where Friday the 13th shows up. He is here to take on this rave. This is really just like fish in a barrel for him. This is really his environment. Yeah. But he has to uh, encounter some bullies, I guess you want to call them. This Everclear is kicking my ass. Check out this fucking guy. Well, hey, Jethro! This is a rave, not a Halloween party. Why don't you go find yourself a pig to fuck? Yeah, <laughs> invite only corn poke, and you weren't invited. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I'd say that's a good way to put it. They remind me of the guys in Heathers, Corey. Do you remember the two bullies in Heathers that are just like... Yeah, one of them was from Three Ninjas, yeah. Exactly. They, they remind me of kind of like the Walmart version of those guys. They're, they're a little bit worse, but kind of like, I don't know, they give me the same vibes. And yeah, Jason gets going on a pretty quick massacre here. This one, like you're saying about things alternating so quickly, like, we, like a second ago we got the cool physics of uh, Ginger Snaps, as we're calling her, falling. But then, like, moments later, Jason absolutely launches the guy who is raping her into another state, and it's like this ragdoll throw that goes, like, a mile away. 
It's like we quickly get that again, where we get, in my opinion, one of the most laughable moments of this movie, which is when Jason snaps one of the bullies' necks and just turns his head a perfect 180. It, it looks not great. It doesn't look as bad as it could have, but something about that made me bust up laughing. But we go from that to what I think is a pretty cool, like, killing spree, which involves Jason being lit on fire and kind of walking through this cornfield, and then he throws his his uh, machete at the other bully before just going on an absolute tear through this rave. I like this part. I don't know if anybody here has a negative opinion of this section, but I feel like this is a pretty pretty good Jason sequence. Yeah, I love when he stumbles a- across the two bullies and the the fat bullies like, oh man, this Everclear's kicking my ass. I was <laughs> like, I, like, I get it. Father of mine slaps, you know? <laughs> Father of mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're playing at the rave, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a smasher. <laughs> it's not even a rave at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Friday the 13th on fire, walking through these cornfields, setting the whole place ablaze. It's a flaming Friday the 13th. Slashing motherfuckers is some good shit. Yeah, that was... I, I enjoyed that scene. That was a good little sequence. In regards to the, um, the guy that got his head 180 I felt like they made it look like it was just an action figure and they (laughs) turned the head around. Yes, it did look like that. Yeah, like being a kid and having like a Ninja Turtle or a G.I. Joe or something and just turning the head 180. That's exactly what that looked like. It just, it didn't look like a person got his head fucking spun off. Like it just, it looked like a Mortal Kombat fatality. Yeah. Well, we talked about the physics of the fall, right? And how right. real it feels. Right. So why do they have something within two minutes? Yeah. Someone falls so hard and it feels so brutal. And they definitely took the time to make it feel that way. And then they have this person's head get snapped, his head turned 180. And why do they make that look so fake? Why do they take no time on that? You know, it's, it's yes. just weird. Weird yes. choices, right? It's like, like you pick one or the other. I feel like they should have like gotten rid of the rapey scene and and spent just a little bit of time fixing this guy's fucking head. <laughs> oh, I mean, this is the same movie where Blake uses Alex, Alex Jones' head as a as a shield. Yes. Yeah, I will say the rape part. Now that I think about it, really serves no purpose. It's like this added threat, but you're not really that concerned about it when she's about to get murdered by Freddy. I don't really know why that's in there. This girl doesn't have a hard enough time. She's like having to dodge Freddy and she's also being, you know, sexually assaulted in real life. Come on. And she dies on top of it. She's already drunk, totally passed out. And that's how she fell into the nightmare to begin with. And so then you get this guy that just, it just didn't provide any good value to this movie. There is a pretty good body count that gets stacked up here though. When yeah. uh, Friday the 13th is slashing motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. There's one that, like, I don't know why I thought it was funny. I think it's because the guy is a tire, but he slashes a bunch of guys. But one of them is this dude just, like, perfectly dressed for 2003. <laughs> like, this dude must have been, like, the most fashionable guy in high school. He's, like, wearing a bucket hat and, like, I don't know, it's just some fucking chump. He just gets slashed, and I was like, yeah, fuck you and your 2000 sensibilities. Did, did he have an eyebrow piercing? <laughs> What's wrong with eyebrow piercings? <laughs> it's so 2003. Get out of here. <laughs> so we get this 
horror movie chaotic nightmare that all these students flee from. And they kind of get together, and this is where, like, our main group of people come together. You know, it's not just the teens we saw earlier. There's a couple other people. You know, there's the nerd guy. There's the stoner guy. There's a few other people in here, but they're trying to put together the rules of this movie, right, Jonathan? And I think they're confused because they essentially think they're in the wrong horror movie. Was that him? The guy you were talking about, Freddy Krueger? No! That wasn't the guy in my dream, that was somebody else! Who cares about some fucking dream guy, okay? Psycho on the hockey mask was real. Dude, that goalie was pissed about something. We need to find the police. No, no, fuck the police! Fuck the police coming straight from the underground! This is where they, they finally start figuring out what is going on and, and how the shit actually works because all of this information was suppressed by like the town and the cops and the families of children for so many years now that these kids just had no idea of the rules of engagement here. Yeah, there's a conspiracy <laughs> at foot, right? Right. Um, the Alex Jones guy knew it. Yeah, he knew. Yeah, he knew it and made some lengthy accusations. Right. <laughs> and, He's been and telling now us he the owes whole time. $50 million. Yeah. <laughs> you will not bring humanity down. God is going to destroy you. Oh, God, they're so evil. Just please, God, free us from them. <sighs> they're drunk on our children's blood, for God's sake. <laughs> They're, they're putting chemicals in the waters to turn the Freddies gay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, um, there's also a subplot, Jonathan, around this time where Will, who's Lori's love interest, escaped from the mental ward. He explains to Lori, the final girl, that Lori's dad killed Lori's mom. <laughs> to which I say, who cares? Yeah, this part is ridiculous, dude. <laughs> this part makes... No sense. It's like just thrown in there and then like in about 15 minutes we'll, we will never address it again. It's like it's absurd. It serves one quick chase scene with the dad through the house and then it it basically never comes back. I agree, Dylan. And I think like, you know, I think a movie can have like interesting subplots that yeah. are woven together, but this is not a good example of one of them. And also this movie is I'm called saying. Freddy versus Jason. Like really, who gives a shit? Does anyone need or care about this? I don't think so. And this is what's... I, I'm like a little bit conflicted on, on a, a certain thing of this movie. I think the idea of the like sort of town conspiracy, like blacking out obituaries, like trying to kind of quote unquote quarantine people that have been exposed to Freddy and like this experimental drug, like all of that could have been, I think actually really cool. Like I like the idea of trying to figure out how we handle Freddy with like there has to be this kind of crazy covert town plot of like suppressing dreams and stuff. Like, I think that's pretty cool, but they're doing it with such cardboard cutout characters that it's never super interesting because you're just watching like tropes. You're just watching tropes of people. And then working in the dad killing the mom makes no sense. Having the dad be kind of the guy who signs off on some of the experimental medical treatment, like that's pretty interesting. I like that. But there's the dad killing the mom is sort of out of left field amidst all that like i don't i don't really see why that was ever brought in if not to just give this movie like 10 extra minutes Corey, do you think this movie works better instead of these cliched ass teenagers that nobody gives a shit about they had instead like heather langenkamp and i don't like Corey feldman 
Oh, like bring back some of the OGs? Yeah, like the original, like uh, somebody, a main character from the Nightmare series meets a main character from the Friday the 13th series. I think the reason that that would have been better is because this is a fan service movie by its nature. And this is for people that want to see this premise unfold. Horror fans especially want to see this premise unfold. It was teased, I don't know, something like 10 years before this movie came out at the end of a Friday the 13th movie. Jason goes to hell. Right. You see his mask on his grave, and then like Freddy's hand comes and like grabs it. It's like the clawed hand reaches up. So this is something that fans have wanted. They would have really gone the extra mile by having like a mainstay character from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And then I don't know if there's really much mainstay characters in Friday the 13th movies, but Corey Feldman would have been a good one because that character is in like three of the movies, Josh, but I think he dies. But you know what? Those things don't really matter too much. Like I think if a character dies in these movies, they could easily just get around that and like not many people will care. Right. This is a movie that should have been for the fans. I just think, yeah, I, as much as this movie can be for the fans, there's ways to incorporate interesting characters beneath it because here's the thing. In all of these versus movies, you do always kind of need this like conduit group of characters who's figuring things out. Like, I, It's always one of the main complaints that people throw at these movies. It's like, oh, I just want to see Godzilla fight King Kong. But it's like there's... There's not a lot of ways to make a sustainable hour and a half movie out of that. Like you, you do have to have more, but you can do that without just making like cheap characters. It's like they realize they need to do that, and they're like, "Okay, just come up with something real quick." No, nobody will care about this. But it's like you could actually make me care about this, and I'd like this movie a whole lot more if, amidst like the Frey versus Jason stuff, there's people caught in the middle who are like interesting characters. Like having a movie that was like figuring out this town conspiracy and then only maybe like halfway through you realize it's like Freddy pulling the strings like that could be awesome but it's it's like they're just like now nah, people just want to see Freddy versus Jason which we do but they because of that thought they're like well I'll just throw in some you know cheap characters nobody will care I would have settled for like five minutes like take five minutes away from the teenager bullshit and give me five minutes of this sheriff having to deal with a Freddy Krueger and a Jason Voorhees in one town. I would have rather seen this whole entire movie from the perspective of what is law enforcement going to do about this shit rather than the teenage point of view. Hmm. They don't do much with the teenagers anyway. So I think a shift in perspective would probably be a good thing. Yeah. I, I don't know fully what it would be, but I mean, your idea is I think a step in the right direction. One, there's too many teenagers. Their cha- their personalities are pretty much interchangeable. And like I, to me, they just kind of seem like a body count. But at the same time, this movie wants them to be something more. Right? Hey, so after, it, after the first two murders, who, who fucking lets their kids go to a rave in a cornfield anyways? Well, they're 25 years old. Well, that's true. <laughs> they're all super duper seniors. Like, <laughs> like Alex in Major Pain. Yeah. <laughs> Get his 30. The guy was older than Wayans. Yeah, he's older than Damon Wayans. He's like, I served with your dad, Major Payne. What I love is like after the rave slaughter, they're all like, Whoa, oh my God, that was the craziest thing. All right, well, I guess I'll see you guys later. <laughs> yeah, we just saw fr- some fucking murderer with a machete on fire, destroying people, <laughs> snapping necks. 
All right, call me later. We still going to the new Radicals concert tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Message me on your sidekick later. Yeah. (laughs) But we we get what I think might be one of my favorite scenes for all the wrong reasons, where we get a cliched scene of all of them gathered together. Cop McFace guy shows up. That very like cliched manner of he finishes somebody's sentence almost. Somebody like says something and he's like, his name is Jason Voorhees, steps out of shadow. <laughs> Why don't we all just leave? Well, even if we leave, Freddy can still get us. We all know about him. We're all afraid of him. It was our fear that gave him his power. And we're marked now. Then screw that clown. I mean, what kind of a pussy comes after you in your dreams, anyway? Now, that, that big-ass motherfucker back at the cornfield. All right, that's who we should be afraid of. Come here who the fuck that was. His name was Jason Voorhees. Uh, shit, man. Um... How'd you know we were here? Well, nothing personal, but the Scooby van out back wasn't exactly subtle. And never keep your keys in the door. Great, so now we're completely fucked. No, you're not. I'm here to help you. <laughs> yeah. Discount Jay starts hitting him with the, the most cliched dialogue of, oh, you need to step outside your fucking box, man. <laughs> The fucking, somebody's broken all the fucking reality rules, bro. <laughs> okay, Freeberg. For a long time, I thought it was Freebird, but it's Freeberg. <laughs> okay, Mr. Leonard yes. Skinner. Well, dude, I thought it was a nickname. I thought like, because he was like a hippie kind of, I don't know, man, whatever. <laughs> Jonathan, what? are you familiar with the characters Jan, Silent Bob? Well, Yeah. <laughs> I think I've actually made reference to that on uh, one of our pods before. And I nominated myself to go fly to these YouTube commenters' houses and fuck them up. (laughs) (laughs) Did you write on (laughs) moviepoopshoot.com? Jonathan, what do you think of Freeberg, the uh, Jason Muse of the movie? I don't know. I, I feel like they tried to like make him too much of that stereotypical stoner guy and like who the fuck goes to the like where was he at like in a psych ward or whatever with a hookah like who carries around a big old fucking hookah man (laughs) oh the freddy pillar had that yeah yeah okay the the worm yeah maybe that was a little bit later it was gifted to him for being such a good stoner he won an award yeah oh it was an award (laughs) a major award a major award speaking of which scott farkas is in this movie really yeah he stares at you with his yellow eyes he has yellow eyes no shit i I love that Lori has that like a hits blunt moment where she's like so freddie died by fire and jason by water Oh, maybe we can do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah. I, it's been said to death. Everyone that's talked about this movie has mentioned Freeberg as being a direct ripoff of Jason Mewes. Basically, he's the Jay and Silent Bob stand-in. I want to say that I agree that he is, right? First and foremost, he is 100% channeling Jason Mewes. And no one seems to take responsibility for this. Not that I've ever seen, but someone had to have told him to do that. 
I doubt this guy showed up as a no-name actor on set and said, I'm going to do Jason Mewes this whole movie. Yeah. And people were just like, yeah, yes, sir. Like he's fucking Bruce Willis or something. No, someone told <laughs> him to do that. Someone gave him those outfits. Someone yeah. made him this way. He even sounds like him, which I think is intentional because, again, he's being told to be this way. Yeah. The long hair, all that shit. Yeah, there's the moment where Laurie has a, another nightmare in front of everybody and she pulls a piece of Freddy's ear out of a dream and the cop, cop McFace guy is like, oh, how is that possible? And J- not Jason Muse is like, dude, we just told you anything's possible now. You just don't get it. Exactly. But this guy, I thought I heard something about Jay and Silent Bob supposed to be in this movie. Like, I remember hearing some discussion of that, but I couldn't find anything about it. What I did find is that Kevin Smith was for a short time working with this idea of Jay and Silent Bob versus Hellraiser. What in the world? So. That's pretty fucking obscure. That that would be awesome. That was around the same time as this movie. So what I assume happened, this is all from my own conjecture here, is that Jay and Silent Bob were wanted for this movie, but they were workshopping Jay and Silent Bob in a different horror movie, so that idea was quickly thrown away, and they just found someone to fit the exact mold of Jay and Silent Bob. Now, obviously, Jay and Silent Bob versus Hellraiser Hellraiser never really got off the ground, never went anywhere, but the idea of Jay and Silent Bob versus the monsters has always been kind of in the back of Kevin Smith's mind, and it is something that will be coming to fruition because Kevin Smith is now going to be doing this like film school type of class for amateur filmmakers. And what he's going to do is he's going to let each of them make a movie of Jay and Silent Bob versus a given monster. So we're going to be seeing at some point years down the road, a lot of independent films of Jay and Silent Bob versus monsters, not made by Kevin Smith, but made by independent filmmakers that Kevin Smith is training. That's pretty cool. So uh, they settled for a Jay and Silent Bob cameo in Scream 3? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that cameo is bad. That must have been around this time as well, right? Yeah, that was, I think, 2000 or so? Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came out in 2001, so it kind of makes sense with the timelines. Yeah. They were hot. Yeah, Scream 3, year 2000, that's 2003, so we're on the heels of that. Do you think Jay and Silent Bob would have had a larger part to play in this movie than Freebird? Because Freebird gets introduced like 45 minutes into this movie only to die in the next set piece. Like he basically is introduced for the first time in that kind of meeting that they have at this random house. And like shortly thereafter, they're at the asylum and he dies. Like would they have done Jay and Silent Bob like that? I don't think they would have killed him, but... Uh, they would have probably been more prevalent, you know, trying to like capture the star power that they had, especially around this time. Right. We were talking about Freeberg, Dylan, in the asylum, and uh, we kind of like alluded to some of the things that happened. But why don't you like lay it out directly? Because I think you were saying that this is one of the most egregious examples of 2000 CGI. Oh, yeah. I I don't even know what this thing is supposed to be. It's like this slimy worm thing that like sort of has the skin of freddy but like not all the way you think they would just kind of go the full distance of him looking like freddy but he's kind of in this weird middle ground 
And then he's got this green, weird grass back to him. And it's just... Like, I don't even know what the concept is. Like, they could have made some sort of weird creature, but this strange, like, deformed caterpillar is not what I would have come up with. I think it's supposed to be a Alice in Wonderland reference, right? The caterpillar with the, the hookah? But they could have gone a little further with that. I definitely got that. I thought that a little bit while I was watching. But then I was like, I think I'm giving this movie too much credit. Like, right. if they were going to go that way, like, they could have definitely made him... I don't know if it would be to resemble that caterpillar more or behave a little bit more like him. But, like, the the look of him is just... It's like they couldn't make up their mind of if they should have him look like Freddy, look like a caterpillar, look like something else altogether. The face is disgusting it looks like a like a blobfish type face like this squish like a turd circa 2003 cgi yeah and it's like so not only is the concept bad but the cgi just can't pull it off either so you get this perfect storm of something that looks awful and feels extremely out of place too like going on this little trip with this worm feels very out of left field with the jay and silent bob stuff it starts to like come together a little bit more but even then it's it's kind of a strange turn right like jason is at this set piece shortly thereafter. Like, why not just jump straight to him? Can we talk about this this uh, psych ward? A once inescapable fortress. Now not a single staff member on site. Well, Jason killed the one guy that works there. <laughs> this Jason killed the one guy. Yeah, it's like Lord of the Rings. And, and how did the two escape previously? They stole a key card. That's all you got to do in a movie. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, easy peasy. That's the thing with, like movie like pickpocket like sleight of hand shit is like in a movie if someone touches another person like if they bump into someone it's always because they're lifting something out of their pocket watch any movie or show where two people bump into each other the person is taking something off of the other person's person what i love is that jason discount jason muse freddie is trying to convince him into dumping the hypnosil I imagined a little devil and angel Jay on his shoulders, all like, come on, bro, you know? <laughs> like two devils? It's a trouser snake. She set you up for it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I guess I didn't mention the, the plot of this too much, but yeah, essentially, Freddy's trying to get in the mind of this guy, Freebird, to get rid of all this experimental medicine that's been suppressing people's dreams, try and pour it all down the drain, make Freddy's life a little bit easier to get in the mind of some of these people in the insane asylum and just everyone in general in case this thing takes off so their whole supply yeah yeah freebird becomes the new jason like puppet of like hey do my bidding real quick to make my life a little bit easier the drug itself is a reference to nightmare on elm street 3 the dream warriors as well Uh, that's where they introduce the idea of hypnosil this drug that takes away your dreams or whatever now josh i have a very specific question for you so we got freebird and he's like getting stoned with Freddy Krueger. Which one do you like better? This version or Freddy's Dead where it's Breckenmeyer? Ooh, toss up. Breckenmeyer does get sucked into a video game. That's kind of, that's super rad, <laughs> radical. Because <laughs> that was early 90s. Yeah, that was super early 90s. All that in a bag of potato chips. Uh, we get the... What the fans have been craving, though, the two iconic legends of Freeberg versus Jason. (laughs) (laughs) What we all bought the tickets for. Yes. 
So uh, Freeberg inhabited by a nightmare on Elm Street. He tranquilizes Jason, which is something you can do. Okay, fair enough. Whatever. So that means Jason is now asleep, and he is in Freddy's world. Jonathan, it's been about an hour or so into the movie, a little bit more. A nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the Thirteenth. It finally happens. Does it live up to the hype, the first battle? Well, I really want to answer that for you, but there's one thing that I really need to comment on specifically within this. And we're going to go ahead and cue up the electrical scene here <laughs> where Friday the 13th slashes the keyboard controller and starts electrocuting. I forget what character he was electrocuting, but... Cop McFace guy. Yeah, knockoff Val Kilmer is how I like to call yeah, him. Yeah, there you go. So he's killing the cop, and by passing electricity from the control board through the machete into his <laughs> hand, through his body, and then to Sniff and Chick's panties. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, this is so fucking unplausible, dude. Like <laughs> Friday the 13th is a superconductor. So... In that type of a control room there, all those buttons, all the, the controls and everything, it's all typically very extremely low voltage, like maybe 12 volts maximum, no amperage to it. There is no fucking current that would do anything like that ever <laughs> or produce any kind of electrical source for him to show lightning all over his fucking body and then pass it on to this other fucking guy. The security shit he busted up, was it powering the sun? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, I mean, it would need like the the whole entire electrical service entry for the whole hospital to do what, what they did in there. I mean, it was just so unreal. Uh, and as, as, as an, an electrician, electrician <laughs> I just, I have a fucking problem with this bullshit that is put into movies about electrical and and thinking that it's like some unwieldy source of power that they can just kill people with all the fucking time. So do, does it bother you that in a movie called Freddy vs. Jason, the titular characters of Freddy and Jason don't fight into an hour and four minutes into it? Yeah, where you yeah, at consi that? Considering <laughs> that the movie is only an hour and 37 minutes, yeah, that's a fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know you got pacing issues. And can I ask a quick question to the group before we move into, like, Freddy actually finally dueling Jason? Yeah. The question I have is, it's, it's sort of a two-parter here. One, I want to know if at any point throughout this movie have you ever been scared and then two i actually want to furthermore has this movie even made you jump because for me personally i'm a very jumpy person like horror movie jump scares always will get me like it doesn't matter the quality of the horror movie if there's a jump scare i'm gonna jump but this is the lone exception where for whatever reason the few jump scares that there are in this movie not as many as you would really think for a movie like this i just sat there like a statue like they don't get me and i don't know what this movie is doing so horribly wrong that a it's not really scaring me but i never really expected that to when you get to the kind of the ridiculous level of some of these slashers but it's not even making me jump like is was it did anybody else kind of experience this or am i just like weirdly resistant to what this movie's trying to pull in the actual realm of scary things you didn't find the freddy pinball thing scary 
That one scared me in the fact that there's people in Hollywood who think that's a good idea to put in the movie. That's that was the scary part there. I'm afraid for the future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jonathan, were you scared by any of this? I I wasn't scared at all. And jump scares don't do anything for me. Would this scare your kid? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. He he's not real into like the scary shit. But uh, there was only one thing that was cringeworthy that we spoke on, and that was the fall off the catwalk to the lockers to the concrete. That had that a visceral the, effect? That was the only <laughs> thing in this entire movie that made me go, oh, shit. Which is terrible because it doesn't even involve Freddy or Jason directly. Like, like what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She slips on a fucking banana peel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, they were playing Mario Kart in there. Yeah. Someone threw the banana peel out. <laughs> And she uh, she slipped on the one spot that didn't have a hand railing yeah. on the catwalk. <laughs> There's a major OSHA violation. <laughs> I want to answer your question, Dylan. The answer is no. This movie is not scary. And it's blatantly not scary. To the point where like the first category of this movie on IMDb is action. Right. It's because you're here for the action. And to me, action is like the fun of either like violence or like physicality it's more of a romp an action movie than anything that is intended to scare you now to be fair the second category is horror but i think that's only because it's horror style violence and horror style tropes with horror characters this movie is not scary at all i i agree with everyone this movie's not scary is do you think the intention was action if that's the case why do they wait an hour before they do anything action related what is the intention with this film exactly i mean i think all the the previous killings and things like that are characteristically uh or categorically action because i mean they're kills you 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 can count them as kills so they fall under that but this is what we've been waiting for for this entire movie. We had to deal with all this one hour of bullshit right. to get to this joke <laughs> of a fight here. Joke um, of a fight. I, I was going to say, uh, we're an hour <laughs> in, we finally get this fight, and it's a little on the weak side, right? Even with the comedic value that we spoke about earlier having to be projected into the movie because of the Nightmare series, just the, the fight was just fucking stupid man like ripping people's arms off and stuff and playing the pinball noises like not my arm yeah oh god yeah because a guy in a in a uh, nightmare can't just fucking grow another arm you know (laughs) which he does yeah that's what i'm saying like i i just i don't understand like is this the mindset of jason to just he can't think for anything like he just all he knows is murder yes and and so that's what he was trying to do to get out of this. I mean, Jason's like a murder machine. He is For murder sure. embodied, right? Yeah. So he is like that. And then, you know, Freddie is I mean, how can you describe him? He's he's a goofball killer, right? Like he Yeah. Pretty much. Like what is this little monsters? <laughs> like, fuck, <laughs> man. When they're going toe-to-toe, we talked about there's the pinball moment, you know, they pick each other up and they throw each other a lot, namely a nightmare on Elm Street gets thrown. But there's a moment, too, during the fight, and it's just a lot of back and forth, slash, slash, slash. But there's a moment in Freddy's boiler room where the color shifts, right, Dylan? Yes, it does. I, and I will say, so 
this scene is kind of a mixed bag for me because probably if you had asked me, Dylan, what's your absolute least favorite part of this movie, I'd say the pinball moment. It is so utterly ridiculous. Not only to have Jason bouncing all around the room, but to actually play noises that you would hear in a pinball machine is absurdity. Penny for your thoughts, Chief. Oh, scary. But then we get some cool stuff, too. Like, I, I like the color shift when the pipe bursts and everything goes green. And I will say, if you ask me what your, like, the lone moment where you're like, hey, this movie did something kind of cool, it's there's this shot where Jason, like, looks, you, like, you, it's a close-up of Jason's face, and he actually looks kind of scared. Like, you get this shot of, like, his lone functioning eye, and there's definitely this look of, like, oh, this is, this is a, not a good situation. Like, for, I, don't, I don't remember if it's Freddy yet or if it's the, like, puppet of the mom but Jason looks actually scared, and they try to work in this little bit of this little bit of heart into Jason in the last act of this movie of kind of going back to his roots of like the scared kid who drowned at the at the camp. And I, I do think a a portion of that, not all of that, but a portion of it works for me. Specifically, just this one shot of Jason's eye that I'm like, I actually really dug that, like that they put that in there because this could have just gone the full ridiculous uh, bloodbath route at the end, and it gets pretty close, but it tries its best to work in. At least some story beats. But we do, again, get revealed that, oh yeah, Jason is scared of water, like Lori kind of hypothesized earlier. He, he basically steps up to this fountain thing. I think the idea of making Jason a more sympathetic anti-hero works for the film. Yeah, I think that's a cool route. Now, Josh, I ask you this question. Is Jason afraid of water because of the movie Friday the 13th, H2O? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Uh, he's so afraid of water, it, it paralyzes him and turns him into a, l- a little mongoloid kid. <laughs> His natural state is a little mongoloid His natural state. Yeah, so... The... Uh, fandom, as far as I know, and I'm not super attached to this, is kind of pissed about this because this is a new rule for Jason Voorhees that he's afraid of water. Josh, is that correct? Uh, memory's a little fuzzy, but I want to say they actually do touch upon that in Jason Goes to Manhattan or Jason Takes Manhattan, whatever it's called. I mean, he's brave enough to be on a ship that entire movie. Yeah, but at the end, they, they kill him uh, by releasing a bunch of water in the sewer system, and that also turns him into a child, I want to say. Okay. So this isn't new new territory per se, but it is the first time he's been finger-blasted in the skull. <laughs> and I will say this, in terms of like new aspects of these characters... Jason Voorhees has a whole new look in this movie. This is Jacket Jason. <laughs> now, to me, like, I remember seeing this at a time and thinking, like, why the fuck is he wearing a jacket? 
Like, did he get, like, cold and put on a jacket? Like, why is he wearing a fucking jacket? <laughs> I need your boots, clothes, bike. That's because my memory of him is not him wearing a jacket. Now, he might, but I'm pretty sure this dude always wears, like, a like a lumberjack-style button-up, usually, right? Like, that's what the, the traditional Jason Voorhees look is, right? Memory's a little fuzzy. Whatever. But I, I, I picture him in, like, basically the exact same thing that Michael Myers wears, which is, like, a, a blue jumpsuit yeah. kind of thing. I think he does wear that in the NES game, Friday the 13th. Okay. Or, but it's more purple. It's more purple-shaded. Nobody really pays attention to Jace's, Jason's costume, to be honest. Now, Jonathan... This fight is going on in Friday the 13th's dreams, and the kids decide to take them to Camp Crystal Lake. Now, I don't know exactly why. I don't remember. There's, like, some throwaway line about it. But uh, what kind of goes down from there? So I think this is where they realize they only had, what, one dose of hypnosil left, which is this miracle drug that keeps the kids from having nightmares. I guess on Elm um, Streets, nightmare on Elm Streets. Yeah. yeah. So no nightmare on Elm Streets for you, kid. <laughs> yeah, you could have a nightmare on anywhere else except Elm Street. So they give Friday the Thirteenth this final dose of hypnosil to keep him, like, from having a dream. No, they, they're, while they're transporting him, him. Right? They want him to be in the dream. Oh, I they think. want him to be. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know what was the deal with them saving the last dose. It's like the tranquilizer. Yeah. It's okay. convoluted. It's like, it, whatever. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. Anyways, they're transporting Jason in this fucking van, like all carpeted rapey van. and It's the fucking bang bus. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like the homeless version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the Chris Farley live in a van down by the river version <laughs> yeah. of bang bus. And so then they decide that, or they figure out that Jason is drowning uh, in his sleep. And so water just magically starts coming out of his mouth because he just carries water in his guts I guess and they convince Kia Soul that she needs to give him CPR like what the fuck because it'd be funny like how does breathing air into him fix him drowning like, that doesn't do anything like it's so ridiculous like beat she doesn't the shit even out start of him with chest compressions Dude, yes exactly like beat the shit out of him turn him on his side so he's not choking on his puke you know like they know what's going to be funny haven't these people ever dealt with a drunk person before <laughs> like i know that tory bitch gets fucking faded yeah and and they need to roll her on her side so she can puke everywhere like i mean all of this is just so fucking dumb and then we can't gloss over the fact that they they also put Lori to sleep and just because she's asleep next to Jason, their, their dreams somehow connect like Inception style. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? She's going to plant an idea. <laughs> and there's also a moment where uh, Freddy, like, inserts his claw into young Jason Voorhees' brain to, like, enter his mind further to kind of, like, see what he's about. A dream within a dream, if you will. Oh, by the way, they they all survived a massive fucking rollover crash in this van while none of them had seatbelts on or anything. In a and world all with killers fine. like this, a car crash is nothing. 
And and they they magically end up right on the road that leads to Camp Crystal Lake. When we're being treated to like Jason's little g- dream sequence, and he's he's literally throwing dead bodies into this like water closet thing. I was like, oh, this is like his Happy Gilmore happy place. Find your happy place. A little dude in like a trike rolls by. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma hits the bingo. Yeah. The, yeah. I think um, the biggest like threat of this movie in terms of like a, a threatening scene where someone is about to be injured or killed, right? Where the killer is approaching and they're scared and they're about to get slashed or whatever is with Lori. Because she is stuck in the dream world with the nightmare on Elm Street and she's pinned down and he is bringing the claw to her crotch and that is the way he's going to take her out and, and somewhat of a throwback to the first movie right Josh? Yeah, yeah he's going to finger blast her to death uh, <laughs> what's pretty interesting is after the crash uh, Jason wakes up and Freddy turns to Lori and he turns into like Darth Maul right? He does change his appearance. I think that's one of the cooler Freddy looks. I really like that look. But yeah, the teenagers are able to somehow get into a cabin where Jason crashes in. And around this time, Lori grabs hold of Freddy and they're able to bring Freddy into the IRL. (laughs) They bring him into IRL, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now film Dylan... This is the the real fight. The earlier fight was just kind of like... It was a warm-up round. It was an exhibition match. But now, in the real world, the new metal kicks into high gear, and oh, we yeah. finally get a Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 13th. Take us through it, man. Here's the thing. Even though we are finally getting Friday on Elm Street versus Nightmare the 13th, <laughs> we're seeing... In the meantime, so much stuff still with the other teenagers. Like, we dedicate a whole scene to, like, Linderman's slow death by a tree. And Kia's saying, I'll be back. It's like, we finally have Frey versus Jason fighting. Like, just stay with them. Like, dispose of these people on the side. Nobody in this movie, or, like, sorry, nobody in this audience, rather, has a vested interest in Linderman at this point. If you just had him try to make one last valiant stand and get tossed aside and die, that's... That's fine. We'll just move on. We want to see the fight. At this point, we don't want to go on a separate scene of Linderman slowly bleeding out in the woods. Like, nobody wants to see that. So that's my big issue with this. But I'm surprised you took note of his name. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how that's possible. He's just kind of like this knockoff nerd character. But yeah, Linderman, I don't know. That one sticks with you. Linderman for the win, everybody. I wrote his name down, too. <laughs> there we go. I would say this, this final fight is... You know, it's it's all over the place, for one thing. There's some great parts, there's some not great parts. I, to some degree, I like the stuff in the dream world better, even though I hate the pinball scene. But we do finally get kind of this physical consequence to everything. Rather than, like, everybody just flying into pipes, but they're unhurt in the dream world, we're now seeing kind of the physical destruction that you would come to expect these guys dueling as having. But I don't know, at the same time, I'm like, would you guys rather see sort of this battle of wits between the two of them where they're, like, kind of using their own skill sets or, like, just kind of this brute strength battle that we get, like, in and out of this cabin? 
Like a scene where they're sitting in front of each other with poison... Yeah, with poison glasses. <laughs> Clearly exactly. I cannot choose the wine in front of you. <laughs> Corey, how would you think, or how would you address the fact that if you wanted to see Freddy and Jason fight each other, but Freddy is only powerful within the dream realm, and Jason is literally all powerful in the actual physical realm. Like, how do you actually address having that? Because if, if Jason can only fight him in a dream, then Freddy has advantage every time, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really the point of what they're driving at. But in terms of the battle itself, like, I don't think this works. Like, and, no. and I come to realize that while watching it. It's like, you want this thing to happen. And it happens, and it's like, okay, I guess that happened. Why do you feel that way while watching it is what I wonder. Like, why does the concept of that sound so enticing? And then the delivery of that not work. Is it, is it because of the execution? I, I think it's an implausible, like, concept. Right, you, it's, you cannot be satisfied, right? No, uh, I mean, you have a dream realm that Nightmare lives in, and then you have the physical realm that... Jason lives in and and how can you you really even make that possible I mean the only way to really get rid of Freddy is to not remember him so killing him in a dream doesn't fix it right which I guess is why they bring him into the real world right yeah IRL I just think as soon as you get into the real world Freddy's skill set should be completely invalidated because at the end of the day he's just a dude with like knives for fingers like Jason should easily dispose of this guy. And so you're right. I think there's there might be a fundamental problem of like, did they just pick the wrong two horror icons to go against each other? Like, should it have been somebody else? Like, yes. you're right. I don't know. There's there's probably a perfect scenario to make this work. Jason and Mike Myers. <laughs> but yeah, it's like there's maybe there's a better one out there. I got two points on that. Uh, one, luckily they gave Freddy Kung Fu. The filmmakers just decided to make him a martial arts expert for some reason. Oh, dude, this dude has some hops. Like, dude, yeah, right. he, he kicked he kicked Jason in the nutsack. Like, ooh, awesome kung fu, bro. <laughs> I learned that in taekwondo, bro. Two, a lot of this was spurred on by fans over the years asking people like Robert England and Kane Hodder at horror cons, hey, would you like to fight Freddy or Jason? And they've said on record that for some reason their names were the most tossed around, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a firm believer that Freddy Krueger should have fought Edward Scissorhands. Like, I think... (laughs) Not Vega from Street Fighter? I think there is a more interesting matchup. Imagine, like, you know when... Edward Scissorhands gets pissed. He gets that crazy fucking look in his eye. Yeah, but he's still a bitch. Imagine, though, if Freddy Krueger kills Winona Ryder, and oh. then and then Edward gets that crazy fucking look in his eye, and they bring <laughs> Freddy into the real world, and fucking Edward just, like, chops this dude up like he did with fucking Vincent Price. He hits him right in the hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> They're both very prevalent at a hot topic, actually. But I, I think in terms of skill set, what Freddy has is a higher functioning brain, right? <laughs> He's not a dumb zombie guy. Jason is just like zombie guy. Freddy wow. has the ability to like put together a plan to like lure him to a construction site. 
to like launch oxygen tanks at him. What is that, Jonathan? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is. Whatever the fuck. To like operate a crane and have that come down and hit him or whatever he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was one of my questions. Was who the fuck is operating this crane that just seems to be bouncing off of everything while these two guys are fighting? Hellraiser. Ah, uh, there. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm imagining like a wrestling announcer or whatever. Oh, Freddy's got the upper hand. Remember, he can think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, filling you in on you the think, details. You think Jason just doesn't think because of, like, the drowning brain damage from when he was a kid? I think he's got a one-track mind. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's a moment where Freddy cuts Jason's fingers off, and there's a, a shot of Jason observing his, his fingerless hand, and you really get the feeling that Jason's, like, fingers... Like the first time he's ever observed that? Yeah, like he's very yeah. Neanderthal, for sure. Well, it brings up a good point of how to, like, at least incapacitate Jason Voorhees is to remove his limbs, right? What is he going to do against you if he doesn't have arms or legs? I mean, yeah. him rolling after you would be a scary prospect, but he wouldn't be able to do anything I, when he got I wouldn't to you. want to take a headbutt from the guy, I'll tell you that. It's like the Black Knight. <laughs> He'd have no leverage. Well, you just got to hope that the pieces of a Jason Voorhees don't fall into a nano machine and reconstruct him <laughs> and make him stronger. Fortunately, we do not live in the future quite yet. What do you think, Dylan? The fight goes on for quite a bit. I mean, it's it's delivering the premise at last. Are there any moments that stick out to you? I don't know. I think the um, the the air canisters is clever. It kind of I don't know if it's clever really. I don't know. That's the most memorable part to me. It feels like a little bit of an inadvertent Jaws homage to some degree, and then there's also like. Uh, just the aspect of like, okay, this is how you could have Freddy compete physically, is he'd have to just find clever ways to to like make this happen. But it's also kind of dumb, like when Jason gets hit and launched 10,000 feet in the air by a single air canister. I don't know, it's like, yeah, it's the problem, you, like we were talking about, is the whole time I'm just thinking like, Freddy should be long dead by now. Like I don't get, like the filmmakers can only convince me for so long that Freddy is holding Jason off because there's really nothing in this scenario that can weaken Jason, unless the, the teenagers get involved in some clever way, but all they're really doing is spraying gasoline everywhere in the hope that they can light a fire at some point. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit iffy, and I do think this is the other thing that's kind of a question mark for me, is like, you guys think just the back and forth beating up of each other goes on too long? Because I kind of felt that way. I was like waiting for something else to happen, but I was like, at the same time, I've been waiting an hour and a half for this, so what's the deal? Well, as it turns out, the interesting premise is ultimately uninteresting. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. So, like, the, a lot of the moments when it's not getting too CGI or wire work heavy, they deliver what they can deliver with this premise. And I, I'm not, I can't think of any other interesting ways to have them fight in the real world. So it's like, they do it. Okay, they fight. But yeah. then it's like, this is it. This is Freddy versus Jason. It's like... They're fighting. Okay. I'm not super invested in this. Everything that led up to this wasn't great. And the fight itself is just two monsters fighting. Like, what What did I expect? You know, I kind of feel ashamed of myself for wanting this in the end. <laughs> yeah. You feel dirty? <laughs> I think you're just expecting some sort of clever way that they can integrate, like, 
the creepiest moments of both franchises, right? It's like, how do we get some of the creative stalking sequences that Freddy has of like, you know, manipulating objects and turning into things? How do we blend that with like the brute force jump scares and like violent deaths of Jason? And there's no real way that they could figure out how to do that that's different than just, okay, we'll have a quick battle in Freddy's world where Freddy takes control, and then we'll have a quick battle in the real world where Jason takes control, but it'll mostly just be composed of them punching each other. Like, mm-hmm. they don't end up getting creative with it. They go the safest, most basic route of just a fist fight for most of this. There were several different ideas being tossed around for the third act of the film. One idea involved was them fighting the third act in hell. I could see that as a level playing field. They they really didn't know what to do with this movie at this point. They they should have just had like Jason X space Jason <laughs> fighting like Freddy with the Freddy power glove. I know that one of the uh, proposed endings which turned out to not be possible due to rights and studio issues was that they would fight each other and then Pinhead would show up. In the movie, on kind of a zinger. Gentlemen, what seems to be the problem here? Or something like that. Yes. Yeah, that was his line, yeah. And, you know, that that's kind of cool on paper, but part of me is actually glad that there's a victor. Now, I wasn't until very recently that I found that the victor of this fight is actually disputed. Yeah. It's kind of like a... We can't have one killer looking the most killery. Yeah, what is this? The Fast and the Furious? Yeah. If Freddy gets slammed through a wall, Jason's also going to get slammed through a wall. Jonathan, who do you think wins this fight? All I know is I took the fucking L for watching this movie, okay? <laughs> like Everyone loses. Oh, God, man. Like, I don't know. I, I struggled so much to just stay entertained with this fight, even. It was rough, man. The man, the torpedo scene didn't get you? Nah. I mean, the, you know what? Man, the the, the one scene that I did like was the rebar. There was like 40 pieces of rebar falling oh, down. Yeah. And as they went through Jason's like chest and leg and stuff like that. That was super realistic, though. That's exactly what would happen if that shit was getting dropped on someone from that height. And uh, But I, it should have easily just killed somebody, though. But it was still cool. I, I like that part. Film Dylan, who do you think wins this fight at the end? Here, here's my thing here. The filmmakers clearly could not pick a winner, right? That's why you get the clinching shot at the end of like, Jason's beheaded Freddy, but Freddy gives a wink. But at this point, like Freddy has become like this, I don't know, in the category of maybe like Superman or like Ray, where it's like, at this point, I don't even know what his powers are anymore because he's in the real world. How does he have any power still? He's just a janitor. Freddy's a Mary Sue. Like, he's just just a dude from school. Like, I don't understand that at some point, yeah, they just decided, okay, Freddy can literally do anything because within the rules of these franchises, Freddy should not be able to wink at the camera at the end because we are in the real world. Like, he's done. There's no way that that can still exist. And the other rule that both these franchises set up is basically that Jason can't die. The only way to kill Jason would be maybe pulling him into some sort of dream world but he always comes back so it's like i think you can't even realistically pick a winner because i think all the minds behind this movie were like well 
we're not going to pick a winner. We're just going to break all the rules so that we can like have a little equal playing field at the end. You're right. It is. It's like the rock and Vin Diesel. It's like the precursor. You're right. It's like spot on. <laughs> I mean, the real answer is that they're both already dead. So, so nothing matters. You don't die if you're already dead. What a fucking cop out, though. Yeah. You know? Do you guys watch? Well, I know you haven't, Jonathan. But uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, <laughs> film Dylan. I saw it in bits and pieces, but I'm, does that have a decisive winner? Okay, so just like Batman v Superman and other versus movies of the modern age, they're going to fight and then they're going to join together and fight uh-huh. the real threat, right? Oh, yes, yes. I Now I know the, the plot line of this, yeah. So that being said, they, in my opinion, they did define a winner in Godzilla vs. Kong. Because in their last confrontation, they fight, and basically Kong gets knocked out, and Godzilla walks away the victor. And then the real threat shows up, and then they work together. So as far as I can tell, they're saying Godzilla won this fight. Just because of a KO? Yeah. Like, shouldn't they fight to, like, the murder, to the death? They can't do that because they got to make more movies. That's the exact thing with this movie, too. They're like, we can't kill one. Yes, but, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they were fighting 15 rounds for the belt or something, you know, like a KO doesn't win in a massive fight like that for me. So in this movie, I think they're trying to do it both ways. But for my money, seeing Voorhees walk up holding the head of Freddy Krueger, that means that Friday the 13th won. I remember when I was going to school, I was in like sixth grade when this movie came out, and I was known as like the Nightmare at Elm Street guy, and everybody gave me shit because of the, like, I would hear like people calling down the hallway, oh, Jason worked up Freddy, and I'd be like, oh, he winked at the camera, asshole. Oh, I see. You're sticking to your guns on that one, huh? Yeah. (laughs) If King Kong versus Godzilla declared a winner by a KO, then by that same standard, Jason won this fight by decapitating Freddy because... <laughs> by decapitation. Right, because... That's a KO in my Dude, that's a, th- what's the difference between that and a KO? Like, Freddy's still alive. <laughs> like, you know? What, what's yeah. the difference? I, I give it to Jason. Based on that concept, if you guys want to compare this to Godzilla versus King Kong and a fucking knockout, then, then Jason wins this fight. I think he does too. I'm yeah. there. I'm yeah. there with you. I, I yeah. agree with you guys mostly. Even though the filmmakers clearly don't want to take like a, a clearer stance on it, they were painting Jason to be, again, like that kind of sympathetic anti-hero, right? Through this third act. Like you're seeing all the stuff of like Jason as a kid and like the tragedy of his death and like that scared shot I was talking about. Like they're, I think they want you to root for Jason throughout this final fight to like get rid of Freddy. And I think just the Freddy wink is just this final thing of like, hey, we'll keep making Nightmare on Elm Street movies, by the way. But now I think you guys are starting to win me over along with like now that I think about how they've been painting Jason. Like I think Jason kind of wins this. And again, he should easily. They're in the real world. Freddy has no power. So 
I don't know. Within that rule set, it should be Jason by a mile. In the Elm Street documentary, the filmmakers and cast, probably because it's an Elm Street documentary, are all pretty much on the side that Freddy won somehow <laughs> because he winked yeah. at the camera, which is like bullshit. Like you get knocked out, then you wink. It's like, oh, you actually won. No. Yeah, I mean, Jason's still there. Like, Jason's still alive and breathing, so you can't say Jason lost. What right? you have is you, you have Freddy look at the camera and be like, ah, Jason fell right into my trap. <laughs> the director says that Freddy won, but, I mean, what does he know? He directed Bride of Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He directed Bride of Chucky. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I will say another interesting sequel concept that they tossed around after this that I kind of wish did get the green light was Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. It would have involved Ash from the Evil Dead series. I think Bruce Campbell fighting these two uh, horror icons would have been just just a lot of fun. Right. At least then you have a hero, right? You have like, yes. you have the person that you want to succeed. They could even do the bold thing and have him get killed in that movie. Not that I'd, you know, condone offing that character forever, but I think that's a good angle to approach it because after you watch a movie like this, you realize how unsatisfying it is ultimately. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like, how awesome would it be if Freddy and Ash had, like, jab after jab, just quippy lines? Dreams. Forever! Too bad you're not! Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. What about Freddy and Ash? They have to raise an adopted son together. Like, for whatever circumstances that led them there, like, whatever, you can write that in. But they have to raise <laughs> a, a boy. I, I, I'd see it. That's a million dollar movie right there. That's actually not a lot of money. Billion dollar movie right there. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you need a lot more than that. Just for the licenses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're about at the end, so I want to do final thoughts, which we will do before ratings. Jonathan, final thoughts? Oh, yeah, I got a few. I wanted to comment on one thing. I haven't watched it, but it's out there. But there is a short that's Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. It's like 15 minutes long. Like a fan made? I, I don't know. It's on IMDb. It's got four and a half stars. Came out in 2011. 14 minutes. Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Hell yeah. So we should probably watch that and then do a four hour pod on a 14 minute <laughs> film. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah, we're really good at that. Um, one of the things that I didn't care for was when Kia soul food came out to Freddie and like called him the F word and told him he was oh, like yeah. an F word in a Christmas sweater <laughs> and that nobody was scared of him. And he was like, Oh, dark meat. Like that scene is so oh like God. unnecessary. Like oh, I don't that was think terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of that provided any value to the movie because it didn't like it never it never went on from there. Like she didn't provide any more value to the rest of it. Freddy! How sweet. Dark meat. No! 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 So you're the one everyone's afraid of? Tell me something. 
What kind of faggot runs around in a Christmas sweater? I mean, come on, get real. You're not even scary. You're not even scary. And let's talk about the butter knives. What is with the butter knives? You trying to compensate for something? Maybe coming up a little short there between the legs, Mr. Kruger? I mean, you got these teasy weezy little things, and Jason has got this big old thing like. I'm actually glad you brought up that line because we kind of skirted over it, but the original intention, they didn't have that line written. It was supposed to be a callback to the end of the original Nightmare on Elm Street where she looks at Jason and she starts quoting some of Nancy's lines from the original, uh, the ending of the original uh, Nightmare on the Film. And she's like, I, I take back all my power that I gave you and all this. I don't believe in you anymore. And then Freddy comes up from behind her and he's like, wrong one, bitch. And he's supposed to kill her. So the idea being that like the character is using the tools that another character used in the same franchise, but on the wrong horror villain. So like it was, it, it would have played out better for the fans that knew like the deep lore yeah. of these movies. Yeah. But instead, they went with just a cool young teen with the sensibilities of the early yeah. 2000s. <laughs> Dropping F-bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Roast battle. We yeah. got the line we got. And then she gets one shot immediately. But, like, that scene is cringe to the maximum degree. Yeah. That scene is awful. It's so yeah. bad. Like, she's, like, the cool, sassy teen. So she's going to, like, get up in his face and talk about his, like, Christmas sweater. Yeah. But at the time, I have a feeling that was probably well-received, and maybe even by me. I don't really remember watch, watching yeah. that scene. Like, I don't remember the details of that. But I could see myself at 14 thinking it's funny. Uh, of the time of when it was made, yes, I agree. But now it doesn't hold up. And the other thing that I have a hard time with is that Kelly Rowland is such a, like... Her image as a singer in Destiny's Child was not that of an actress that would have conveyed that type of language or or vocabulary. And so it was just a very like awkward scene, you know, like she had a very wholesome image up to that point. She was in Destiny's Child. Yeah, she was the singer with with Beyonce. <laughs> Why do you think I've been calling her Destiny's Child? Yeah, I thought you were being racist. Oh no, my God, she's no. in Destiny's <laughs> Child. She she's the number two singer in Destiny's Child. The third one, they don't like. If you can go back and look at, like, there's memes about it. But the third girl that was in there, nobody knows her name. She wasn't allowed <laughs> to be like in the pictures with Beyonce and Kelly Rowland. Like she was kind of off to the side, like not as good. Yeah, like mm-hmm. she she had to do the like the air hug, like hand over the shoulder kind of thing every picture. Like it it was very it was a very weird trio. But oh yeah, anyways. Nellyville dilemma. Yeah, yeah. She was with. <laughs> she did a song with Nelly. She's the one that had the sidekick that she was wondering why her text messages weren't going through because it was in an Excel sheet. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Mind blown. (laughs) Holy shit. 
Oh, yeah, man. that's her. Same same one. I'm glad that connective thread has finally been laid out. Thank you for that. Hey, you're welcome, man. My life is complete. See, I liked it that you just thought I was low-key racist. I don't watch movies, but I know stupid shit like this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I don't know. Everything else I just want to get to in final thoughts. I'm good. Josh, any final thoughts before ratings? Uh, yeah, so one of the ideas, while they were kicking around script ideas and story ideas, one of the ideas they had was a cult of Freddy Krueger, like, loyalist fanatics called the Fredheads. And they were, like, going to throw Jason's heart into Crystal Lake and, uh, yeah. Luckily, that's not the version we got. (laughs) So there was going to be people that were, like, supportive of this historical supernatural killer yeah called the fredheads that version of the the, story lasted multiple multiple drafts where different screenwriters tried to make that work and weirdly enough it didn't uh this movie would later uh, go on to be the most successful in at the time at least in both the friday the 13th series and the nightmare on elm street series so there, that, that, that's my final thoughts. It's my facts. Yeah, it made $116 million, which is not like Marvel money, but it's like a lot for a horror movie. Let's get into ratings. Josh, on any rating scale you want, what are you going to give A Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 13th? I'm going to give it 5.5... Uh, discount Kmart Jason Muse out of 10. Uh, there's fun to be had, but you've got to sit through a lot of characters you don't care about spouting out exposition you already know. Uh, I, there's good stuff there. They really fumbled the ball. I'm going to give it a couple of passing points just because I am a friend of a fan of some of this stuff. So uh, that's that's what I'm going with. And also, like, Robert England is also always, like, he's just a gem. I'm going to go next. And I'm going to give this movie 3.5 out of 10 slices of dark meat, baby. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this movie fails on so many levels. And... The first and foremost is the versus fight. Now, the versus fight comes too late. Now, I get you have to make a movie around this. A movie has a plot, and a movie has characters, and it has connective threads, and it has, you know, things that a movie needs to work as a movie, like a three-act structure and what have you. So I get it, but at the same time, you know, we were promised one thing, and we were given that thing in a small yet plain capacity so not enough of the movie is freddy versus jason but also when we get freddy versus jason it kind of is it kind of gets boring so i know I'm, I'm being somewhat contradictory here but i'm kind of torn between like this premise not being presented as much in the foreground as it should and then secondly when it is presented to us it mostly is boring there's always ways to write stuff to make things interesting. So there's probably a way to rework this movie and make it interesting. But aside from that, 
Like, the CGI is awful. Pretty much all CGI in the 2000s was awful. I don't know why, but it just got really fucking bad for a while there. Probably overuse or companies promising to do CGI cheaper. It takes away from this movie in a big way, though, and I'm going to give the example of the nose being cut off. Because when that woman's nose is ripped off, if that was a prosthetic nose on her face, and the blades went into her nostrils and pulled forward and slit her nose into three places, and that was all like a practical effect that looked like a real nose, that would fuck with you. That would stick with you like the fall that Catherine Isabel has earlier. You would be like, oh my god, when that girl gets her nose cut off, it's disturbing. But because they use CGI, and bad CGI at that, it takes away. And that's just an example of what this movie offers you. A lot of dumb CGI blood and kills. Not to mention tons of horror tropes that might be fine in a different movie if it was uh, better executed. But it's movies like this that make me appreciate Cabin in the Woods. Because A Cabin in the Woods says, look at a movie like this and how stupid it is, right? Now we're gonna turn that on its head, which is why I like Cabin in the Woods. But for all those reasons and more, I give this the low rating of 3.5 out of 10 slices of dark meat. Jonathan, what's it gonna be for Freddy vs. Jason, any rating scale you want? Well, I, I don't know what movie you watched, but I watched Scarface versus Casey Jones. Holy shit. <laughs> That's what I watched. Uh, Casey Jones would beat him to death with a cricket bat. But anyway, right. go on. <laughs> um, and I'm going to give this four Jason fingers on the dock out of ten. I am not going to sit here and harp on all the things that you guys have all said because I agree with probably 98% of all of it. The things that I do want to talk about is I I feel like this movie was just too much of a cash grab for the concept of Freddy versus Jason rather than giving a quality movie. Um, there were a couple of things that they did do okay. The fall scene that we talked about. There were a couple other visual effects within the, the movie that were okay. The movie was a little rapey um, on oh, a yeah. couple of you know, moments that I didn't really dig and I don't think it provided any value to the storyline. So I don't think that that fit didn't hold up. They're also, these are supposed to be teenagers. So they're, they're underage rapey, you know, and, and it's, it's not very appealing. It's weirder. It's the oldest 17 year olds I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that the writers, got away from the original concept of the nightmare series, which was children. And I mean, these are like high school seniors, practically adults, like senior citizens, basically. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> You're, they're waiting for their AARP cards already. <laughs> I, I think that they just tried to appeal to a certain audience rather than stick to more true storyline, which was Freddie wanting to murder kids. I mean, if you look back to the beginning uh, concept, when they explain the backstory, all the photographs and everything, they were little kids, like maybe 11 or 12 years old or something. You know, I, I think I would have liked to see more homage to that 
concept. Now, now that's a horror concept that it, you're talking absolutely, about. Absolutely, absolutely. We're talking about a, a man murdering small children. That's visceral, you know. When you're a, when you're a kid, that scares you. When you're an adult, yeah. that certainly scares you, especially if you have kids. Yeah. So that's that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. The whole nightmare dream realm and physical world realm back and forth and how are people gonna kill each other is just implausible and i don't think they did a good job of of making that an understandable concept so i I wouldn't watch it again unless i really had to for some weird reason and i don't think i'm gonna share this with other people to also watch Um, good thinking yeah (laughs) And that's about it, man. It's going to be your gift to the world. Just never mentioning this to anyone. (laughs) Just be like me. Don't watch movies. (laughs) And you won't be disappointed. You're right. (laughs) Film Dylan of the Cine Study Podcast. On any rating scale you want, what are you going to give Freddy v. Jason Dawn of Justice? (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 10 checkers because i don't know if you guys remember there's this random dude in the asylum named kirk and he wants to play checkers and they just really quickly say kirk we're not playing checkers and yeah i'm an uno man the fucking uno deck it's 30 seconds in this movie that uh i'll never get back in my life but it stuck with me for some reason so on a scale of one to ten checkers i'm gonna give this movie four out of ten checkers it's what i originally gave this movie and then ever since seeing it the first time I think subconsciously I was trying to convince myself that like, hey, that movie's pretty fun. It might be a guilty pleasure type movie. And now as of rewatching it, I can confirm it is definitely not that. Like, <laughs> no. I, 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 thought, I thought it was, but it is not. It is, it is, there's just so much wasted potential in this movie. And I, you can kind of look at that in two ways. One, you can look at it as they fundamentally picked the wrong two guys to fight because their rule sets and their worlds and the way they behave just don't align and that there's better matchups out there or you can look at this as like there might be an unsolvable problem with like these franchise crossing versus movies because like i kind of talked about earlier you need some sort of conduit story or character group to carry this thing along because realistically you can't make an hour and a half movie of just these two guys fighting you could do a lot you could probably get to 45 minutes to an hour of creative ways of these guys outsmarting each other and fighting each other but you need a little bit more substance i think to make a full movie so the the question is like how do we do that if we go deep with the characters then you probably sacrifice the horror characters like the horror icons and you probably sacrifice the creative body count stuff that people want to see if you spend a lot of time developing the characters or telling an interesting story on the flip side if you go you know full blast let's have these horror characters fight and then you have these other characters on the side you get this movie where you just have these really shallow characters and a really shallow and convoluted story that services a fight that's not that great and then the last option at least to me would be to do some sort of crazy thing where like somehow you go into this movie not even knowing it's a freddy or a jason movie and like you get like this you know group of people in the town uncovering that there's this weird conspiracy like why are so many people's deaths blacked out in the library records and then like eventually you find out like oh it's freddy and and you get this freddy movie i don't even know if jason's in it but like you kind of have this mystery element to it but you can't do that because then you can't market this movie (laughs) like that's the realistic production side of this 
So I'm just not sure there's even a really a way to pull off versus movies in like reliable fashion. I think it's like this great thing that you look at the concept, you're like, that sounds awesome. But realistically, there might not even be a way to execute it, which is a shame because it does sound so cool. So I think that's where I ultimately land on these versus movies, kind of bringing it full circle from your opening question. Freddy vs. Jason, you know, being the only one I've seen, I, I can't make any grand statements on the genre, but I can say that this is not... I sure hope it's not the pinnacle of the genre. <laughs> if that is, then we're in a dangerous, dangerous place. So I would say a failing in these versus movies is they try to center around these characters we don't care about. Right. I think what me and Corey were suggesting, if they took characters, uh, not the iconic horror villains themselves but like side characters from the, their films yeah. and put them in a film together could that work. could work I can't think of a specific example where they've done that the little kid from uh, Jurassic Park that was in that Freddy movie <laughs> that's canonical yeah that was that kid <laughs> he becomes uh, Freddy Krueger's surrogate son yes <laughs> But yeah, so that's basically my take. I don't I don't think this movie's for me. Again, I try to convince myself that I remembered it being like more dumb fun than it actually is. And uh, ultimately it just leaves you a little bit cold, which is a shame because I do, I, I've always said, I think I really like a lot of these horror icons in principle. And then I sit down and I watch their movies and I never, they never quite live up to like the image I've painted in them from like taking trips to Spirit Halloween as a kid and seeing like animatronics of them. I don't know what it is, but... I'll always revisit A Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th long before I ever again watch Freddy vs. Jason. So that's that, I think, sums up my, my rating. Awesome. Thank you. Now we're going to do something a little different here. You know, we're going to spend a little bit of time, hopefully not too long, on uh, what Film Dylan has put together as like a horror villain icon bracket of sorts. Am I describing this correctly? I think so. I was inspired by Freddy vs. Jason and kind of thinking about, you know, other versus matchups. And I was like, what if we just had this ultimate tournament? And yeah, I think we should try to kind of go somewhat rapid fire. This could turn into a long thing. Might even be deserving of a whole separate thing, but I think we just knock it out. But yeah, that's that's that was the impetus for this. So, All right. So we're going to go through them. Well, well, yeah, we can go through it in a quick fashion. Maybe one day revisit a bracket like this in a more extended way. And I will say one other quick thing before you start. I did my best. I didn't think about it too deeply, but I tried to kind of pair the initial matchups on like things that, I don't know, sort of made sense because there's some villains on here whose powers far outweigh other people's. So I tried to kind of, you know, organize them a little bit better at the start. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) All right. I'm going to I'm going to rotate us to pick. And we'll okay. each get to pick and we'll kind of rotate through and we can like come it. to like more group discussions later on. Jonathan, I'm going to go to you first though. Okay. The first matchup in our horror villain icon, <laughs> horror villain, <laughs> excuse me, icon bracket is Michael from the movie Michael with John Travolta yeah. <laughs> versus Leatherface. Holy shit, dude. Le- Leatherface would just grab that chainsaw and cut his fucking wings off, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and guess you're talking about Michael Myers it says Michael (laughs) I'm going with the angel Michael (laughs) okay (laughs) I think Leatherface versus Michael Myers I'm gonna go with that one 
just for good measure. Yeah, I think that's a smart call. Because <laughs> he's got a chainsaw? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not going with Leatherface. I'm going with Michael. Oh. And the reason being is I don't think that Leatherface has the crafty mentality to overtake Michael. Like, if you go back and think, like, Michael, although he was, you know, brute strength with the knife and stuff, he was also very, like, strategic. Yeah, he was somewhat planning. tactical at times. Very, right? yeah, yeah, very, very tactical. Like, I've always, that scene with Michael where he, like, lowers himself down from up above with one arm, or, like, there's one movie that he does that. Maybe it was, like, Halloween H2O, maybe, or the one with Busta Rhymes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's H2O. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, he like lowers himself down from, from like, I don't know, the attic or something like that with one arm. And that scene always like stands out. But I, I think that he's tactical enough to take out Leatherface for sure. So I'm going Michael. Michael wins. Michael Myers wins this round of the bracket. Film Dylan, you're next with Dracula versus Candyman. All right, here's the thing. I have only seen bits and pieces of Candyman, so I'm not familiar with his full skill set. But what I am familiar with is Dracula, who has probably the most glaring weakness of any of these people. You just bust out some garlic or some crosses or, uh, what is it, the wooden stake through the heart. Like, that's easy, dude. Anybody can do that. You just get him in his human form. I think Candyman wins this, as much as that kind of pains me, because I, I do like Dracula. I think Candyman, all he's got to do is get the right personal of tools and it's yeah it's pretty pretty straightforward business this isn't like dracula untold dracula no no we're going by the numbers bell lugosi dracula <laughs> Candyman wins review dude josh you got chucky versus ghostface oh i'm gonna go chucky because he's supernatural i i think he takes Stu and billy <laughs> yeah, Ghostface is always different too, and it's always like. Uh, oftentimes, I feel like I could kick Ghostface ass when it's revealed who it is. <laughs> Definitely. <Right. laughs> oh, it's just Matthew Lillard. Let me yeah. punch him in the face. But then again, I feel that way about Chucky sometimes. I'm like, how how can you not just punt this dude across the room? He's like, he's less than a foot tall. <laughs> He'll fuck your shins up, man. I guess. I guess that's what it is. He can do magic, like, you know, like, when you're asleep, like, he can summon Dumbella, and, like... <laughs> Dumbella, I was about to say. Give me the power I beg of you. I feel the woozy air. Uh, give me the power I beg of you. Couldn't you just throw him on the barbecue like Freddy did to that doll in the beginning of Freddy vs. Jason? Yeah. That's... Well, they do that in the first, in, in Child's Play, but you have to like go for the heart with Chucky. So he gets all singed and gross, but he's still alive. So it's not as simple as it looks, I guess. Well, it's been declared. Chucky wins this one. Yes. Chucky wins. Uh, up next, I'm going, and I have Jigsaw versus Hannibal Lecter. Now, this is an interesting one because Jigsaw is not the little guy riding a trike, right? No, I went with the overall mastermind. I mean, he can get that as like a sidekick for sure. 
So, let's see, you put Jigsaw in a room with Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter could just wait, right? And Jigsaw will just die because <laughs> he has cancer. Because <laughs> he's got cancer. <laughs> hey, Hannibal Lecter's got nothing but time, baby. <laughs> Play the long game. And then, and then he could fucking eat Jigsaw, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like the reward at the end. He could snack on him while he's waiting. <laughs> <laughs> With some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yeah. Hannibal wins. <laughs> Hannibal wins. That takes us back to Jonathan. Yeah. What Dylan, that? what does this one say? The Thing? Yeah, I realized my writing was bad. So I went The Thing from The Thing versus Pazuzu, the demon from The Exorcist. <laughs> Pazuzu. Pazuzu, the demon from The Exorcist. Uh, I'm... Uh, I don't even know the thing because I don't watch movies, so right. I'm going to go with Pazuzu. <laughs> Pazuzu wins by default. Yeah. <laughs> Pazuzu wins by default? John Carpenter's rolling in his grave. The thing never showed up to the match. Pazuzu won. No, he didn't make weight. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think it's like a boxing match and the thing never made weight. Yeah, yeah he was like he was like nine pounds over on, yeah. the, on the way in. He was so inhabiting he be, like a fat dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah he got disqualified. I want to see Reagan square up against one of those the things pretending to be a dog. Yes. <laughs> Pazuzu wins. All right. Well, oh, you should have put a Demogorgon in here, man. That would have been sick. Yeah, but that's that's kind of like new in terms yeah. of public consciousness Definitely. although i've been talking about demogorgon since the D days i'll tell you what all right next round i'll tell you what this is a good round and this one goes to film dylan this is pinhead versus pennywise this is a tough matchup they both have pretty broad ranging and far reaching skill sets but i i think i'll give it to pinhead just because i've always seen pennywise as like just too goofy for his own good at times I feel like Pinhead, I don't know, he'll just take care of business. I, 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 I can't really give, like, crazy reasoning for this one, because it is sort of like, just kind of pick one and roll with them. They're pretty even here, but I think Pinhead's got to be the choice. This is going to be an interesting fight. Both opponents have very interesting movesets here. <laughs> but, like, Pennywise, you can defeat him with words, like, by calling him names, you know? That's also true. You just belittle him for a little while, and he'll be fine. Yeah, he's like, like, you're not very good at Street Fighter, you know that? He's like, he, like, gets smaller and smaller until he's, like, a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Pinhead wins. Uh, The next round is to you, Josh, and it's Alien versus Predator Requiem. (laughs) Uh, Well, can I see the fight? It's a it's a requiem jab. Fuck that film. So <laughs> I'm gonna give it to Predator. I think Alien always almost always wins in those films. Maybe I don't remember, and I, I can't see the second one because it's too dark. But I, I w- I'm just gonna give it to Predator because Arnold and those films are better. Yeah, I mean, I think the first Alien versus Predator. I think the Predator won. But it was one of those, like, with the help of the humans kind of thing. But, yeah. Okay. And then, like, aliens severed head winks at the camera. Yeah. Your answer is final, though. So, Predator takes it. Predator wins. And then it goes to me for A Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 13th. <laughs> we need the decisive choice. 
I think you have to run with our consensus vote. I mean, we watched the movie, unfortunately, and <laughs> Jason won, in my opinion. Now, I, I like Freddy movies better, and I like Freddy the personality better. If you would say, yeah, you could watch all the Freddy movies or all the Jason movies, I would pick all the Freddy movies easily. I think he's more interesting, he's more fun, he's more dynamic. He can get more interesting with it because he seems to have basically unlimited power in the dream world. That being said, Jason whooped his ass. (laughs) Jason wins. All right, next round of brackets goes back to Jonathan and it's Michael, the angel from the movie Michael, starring John Travolta, uh-huh. versus Candyman. Holy shit, dude. All right. Well, first of all, I don't even know who Candyman is. It's Tony Scott. Because I don't watch No, wait, movies. not Tony Scott. <laughs> it's Tony Stark. Tony, Tony Todd. Todd. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know. What, what film series is it? So he's got a hook. He's got a nice jacket. Like, this can, thing is like Versace. Can I call it's F O Sachi? Man, you can't even spell Vosachi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, can I call in a, a celebrity to answer this one for sure, me? Sure. Yes. Uh, I, I'm gonna pass this one to um, my boy review dude D W O D. All right. Phone a friend. So who wins this fight, Candyman or Michael from uh, the movie Michael? Yes. Yeah. He doesn't have any wings left though. <laughs> You don't have any wings left. <laughs> Leatherface chopped them off. See, I like to think they're like reset. <laughs> reset round two. <laughs> they, rege- they regenerate. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to, I'm gonna give it to Michael. He's a little bit more supernatural than Leatherface. It's not Leatherface. No, no, it's, it's can- Candyman Candy Man versus uh, Michael oh, Myers. Oh, oh, Candyman. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. Uh, Still gonna give it to Michael Myers, I think. That's what I would have agreed with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough fight. So Michael Myers beats Candyman. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Yeah. Final answer. This will determine the fate of. (laughs) I'm sorry, Candyman. You gotta (laughs) die. Michael wins. All right, Film Dylan, you're up, and this bracket is. Chucky versus Hannibal. I think I got. I, I know we're saying Chucky's got some supernatural abilities, but look, I, I'm gonna go with what I say said earlier. Like, you can just punt Chucky across the room, and then all it takes is like a shot through the heart, and he's dead. Like Hannibal shouldn't have to do too much. I know Hannibal's kind of like he just sits back, lets things perfectly orchestrate according to his plan. Case in point, him beating Jigsaw by just waiting. You know, by reading a book. Yeah, that's that's his style, you know. He's 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 an academic. So I, I don't know. It, it is tough to then pit him against somebody who is just like raw killing ability. But I'm gonna go Hannibal here. I don't know. I Chucky has always felt like just not intimidating enough as a horror icon. Like I don't know why he's in the. I want to see. I want to see where Hannibal uh, cuts Chucky's scalp off and feeds him his own brain. Some nice plastic for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> No wonder Ray Liotta's career went to shit. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. I've just always thought in the pantheon of horror villains, like, I don't know why Chucky is mentioned in the same breath as, like, Freddy and Michael and and Jason. I got got a problem with you, Chucky. Hannibal wins. All right, next up is Review Dude Josh. Pazuzu from The Exorcist versus 
Pinhead. It's just when you just say that name, Pazuzu, <laughs> it's the silliest fucking thing ever. I'm, go- I'm gonna give it to, to Pinhead because he's got chains and he's got he's got a crew of family, I guess, Cenobites or whatever. And he's got a puzzle box. He's got a little a Rubik's cube. <laughs> Uh, Pazuzu like needs to possess like a Reagan or a, a father, whatever his name is. Somebody with daddy issues. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, I, I, yeah, I'm gonna give it to Pinhead. Also, Pinhead has never been in a stupid comedy Leslie Nielsen parody movie, but Pazuzu has. <laughs> There's a yeah. movie that exists that people don't talk about because it's an awful piece of shit called repossessed which is where leslie nielsen plays the priest and the actress enough it hasn't it hasn't been re-released by criterion right of course but the actress that plays reagan comes back in that movie linda blair and she is repossessed and it's a comedy version of that dog shit okay scary movie also scary movie two yeah that was the best one yeah it was also really dumb at times the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I rewatched some of it and like, there's like a talking bird, like a parrot. Yeah. And like someone gets killed and the bird goes, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. And I'm like, that's like the cringiest thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Oh man. Do you, re- you remember? You remember? Yeah. Right. That's just show. I remember it because yeah. they said that. I in the remember. Show. But that doesn't make it funny. Anyway. Wait, shh. somebody's coming. <laughs> Who? Me. <laughs> Good God. Pinhead wins. All right. I'm up next. (laughs) The Predator versus Friday the 13th. Jason Voorhees. This is an interesting one because these two characters have appeared in versus movies on their own and they both won. Now they're facing each other. That's the premise I like to think of. (laughs) It's a tournament. That being said, I don't think uh, Jason can do much for the Predator. <laughs> like, nah, lasers, man. Like, I don't think he'll ever even, like, get to the point where he can hack at the Predator. You know, I don't think he'll ever get that Good close. Point. He's, like, not fast enough like an alien would be. Mm-hmm. Camouflage laser shoulder cannons, like... Invisibility cloak. Arnold won through, like, strategy, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, he was able to like, kind of, like, figure out how he's working. Jason doesn't have no fucking strategy. All he knows you is... You don't see Jason covered himself in the mud? <laughs> no, all he knows is killing and machetes, you know? Yeah. Predator wins. Yeah, I think so, too. Predator wins. We're getting to some final rounds here. This is the semifinals, Jonathan, and you're up. Michael... The angel from the 1996 John Travolta <laughs> film Michael <laughs> versus Hannibal. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Here's how this would go down. Hannibal and Michael would square up and Hannibal would want to get to the root cause of all of his troubles <laughs> and analyze the shit out of him. <laughs> And Michael would just be like, you know what? I am so fucking sick of this bullshit. And then just fucking kill him. You think Michael Myers kills Hannibal Lecter? I I think so. I I think at this point, 
Hannibal Lecter is full. He's no longer hungry. He goes back into psychiatrist <laughs> mode. His hunger level plays a factor in his ability to win. Yeah, and and I th- I think he goes into full work mode because he sees somebody that he could salvage. He's eaten the last three opponents. Yeah, and and Michael says, you know what? I'm not having this shit. Fuck you. Kills him. I think Hannibal's out. And Michael regenerates his wings and moves on to the final round. Michael wins. All right. Film Dylan. This is a good one. This is Pinhead from Hellraiser versus the Predator. I'm having a hard time, like, finding any logic in my head to overcome Pinhead. Because he's, he's basically just the ruler of hell, essentially. Like, you know, it's like, how do you really beat a guy who, I don't know, like, I feel like his skill set is pretty much just, like, whatever he needs to do, he can do. I don't know, like, if there's any obvious weakness that Predator could really exploit here. I mean, unless you guys can think of a convincing case otherwise, I feel like Pinhead kind of just glides his way right into the final here. Which is disappointing, because I do like the Predator quite a bit. Pinhead would it, rock his shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Insert aliens meme here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's the only advantage Predator's yeah. got, man. He's got the fuck, he's got fucking backup, bro. Yeah. Yeah, but like he could call the entire alien force. <laughs> he's dead before they come, though. I think the only thing is if if you know, like when Predator thinks he's about to lose, he basically just kind of nukes the whole place. Like his Pinhead immortal to the power of the nuclear bomb. Because that could be the one way he takes them both down. And then there's just nobody left standing. And Pinhead's been to space, so it's it's nothing new for him to fight in space. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think, I think this one's pretty clear, unfortunately. <laughs> Pinhead wins. Well, we are into the finals, and we're going to come to a group consensus on this one. <laughs> we have to. This is Pinhead versus John Travolta in his greatest role. <laughs> The 1996 movie, Michael, directed by Nora Ephron. (laughs) Michael, the angel, the archangel Michael versus Pinhead. Jonathan, who's your vote going to? Oh, man, that's Pinhead for sure. Like, how does he lose? The angel versus the devil, though. Dude, it's heaven versus hell. Yeah, but he's just a little bitch angel, dude. <laughs> like, he ain't God, bro. <laughs> he brought back that dog to life, though. Remember? So? That was from, through the power of Jesus. He fought all those guys in a bar. That was through the power of Jesus. Ah, shit. He's got nothing without Jesus. <laughs> not, nothing, bro. You remove Jesus. Like, this is not a tag team match. <laughs> yeah. You ain't shit without your boy. You don't, yeah, dude, you don't get to call in a freaking tag partner. Jesus is always with him, though, in spirit, right? <laughs> let's 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 see what the other people think. Josh, what do you think? Oh shit, I- I'm going Pinhead. Why does Pinhead defeat Michael? Because I don't think Michael has the intellect to solve the the. Oh, I wish I'd s- wish Steve was here. It was the puzzle box. The lament configuration. The lament configuration. <laughs> I don't think Michael's going to be able to, to solve that and put uh, Pinhead back in there. Okay. 
I agree with you. As, as tactical or, or thoughtful as he could be, I don't think he could ever come up with working concepts to defeat somebody with unlimited power. Film Dylan? Yeah, I think Michael, the thing, here's the thing about Michael. He's street smart, but he's not book smart, you know? And I think you gotta be, <laughs> you gotta be pretty book smart to, to solve that box. So, I don't know. It's, it, it, as soon as I put, like, kind of the supernatural type figures into the bottom half of this bracket, I was like, you know, there's no real way that they can lose. And I'm finding myself still agreeing with me, you know, a couple hours ago and saying, yeah, I think, I think Pinhead wins this one. But hey, Corey, you still have to kind of agree with the consensus here. Do you have a, do you have a counterpoint here? I mean, I, what, what can what can anyone do against Pinhead? <laughs> exactly. It's kind of a problem. It's kind of a cheat He's code. fucking OP. Yeah. He is insane. You can't fuck this dude up. You can't <laughs> even punch him. There's nowhere to punch. He has, like, this, like, BDSM armor, and his face is fucking BDSM nails. Like, armor. you can't do jack shit against this guy. <laughs> I can see Michael tipping up Predator. Like, we were saying, like, Jason's not going to cover himself in mud. I see Michael covering himself in mud. Michael could do it. Michael stands a chance there. Yeah, yeah he's not solving no puzzle box, though. <laughs> well, the winner of this horror icon bracket comes out to Pinhead because... He's just too fucking powerful. Yeah, pretty much. Pinhead wins. Congratulations. Pinhead Pinhead is the winner. Booyah. Thank you for introducing this, Dylan. That was fun. That was a fun little side project for us. Definitely. Now, before we say goodbye, which we are about to do, Film Dylan, where can people hear more of what you do and what is it that you do? Yes, so I do the solo podcast in a study where I break down all kinds of movies I tend to do kind of mini reviews and by mini they're still you know 45 minutes to an hour episodes they're not like really that quick or rapid fire but uh you know all kinds of genres new and old kind of just tackle whatever's on my mind or something I've seen recently and then also Corey you've been on the podcast we've counted down our top 10 favorites of certain decades we did the 90s and the 80s alongside some of the guys over at spoilers so if you want to hear some kind of like overall rankings of some of your favorite decades and hear us just kind of geek out about our favorites, those are also good episodes to check out. So send a study podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, yeah, thanks for any uh, any listening. And thank you for having me on here, Corey. It was fun talking about this movie and revisiting a movie that, again, I think I had falsely convinced myself I liked <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Film Dylan. Review to you, Josh. I want to preemptively thank you as well for being here, but where can people listen to you and what is it that you do? Uh, you can find me at Review Inc. or type Review D-O-O-D in your YouTube search bar. But uh, I haven't posted in a while here lately. I've been making content for Corey here. Uh, hopefully by the time this is up, the brain scan highlight is up. Hopefully. I don't know. I don't know. But go check that out, please. Definitely check out our brain scan highlight video exclusive to YouTube. It is amazing. I think you, the listeners, will like it a lot. Get a little bit of a variety with your big dumb movie experience because there's a visual aid inherent to this. So please check that out. Again, thank you all for being here. Jonathan, you made the trip out here. I know you've been uh, busy in your life and a lot of things have been coming up. So I really appreciate you being here, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Always fun chatting it up with my oldest friend. Hell yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to send me any fan mail, 
Go ahead and send that to the uh, Big Dumb Movie Instagram DMs or email us. Hell yes. Perfect segue. Our email address is bigdumbmovie at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at bigdumbmoviepodcast. My biggest ask for you, the listener, is to leave us a positive rating and written review on Apple Podcasts. And on Spotify, there is a rating system that has been somewhat recently introduced. I'd like you to give us a five-star rating on Spotify as well. In order to do that, you do have to listen to a full episode on that platform first. So if you don't normally use that platform, you'll have to let one play. And then you can give us a five-star rating. I'd really appreciate it. I want more people to discover Big Dumb Movie, which uh, will give me more incentive to make more Big Dumb Movie. This has been a fun episode discussing A Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 13th. I wanted to get that in one last time before we wrapped up. (laughs) (laughs) Solid. Thank you so much for listening. We love you, and good night. You know you're going to have to title it wrong when you post the podcast, right? (laughs) 